Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. What's up? I'm Dan. And we are here to discuss episode five, the swap episode of Survivor Winners at War, titled The Buddy System on Steroids, which is a very flavorful episode title, I feel. Oh, yeah, it's spicy. That a very, like, stoic, like, I like revenge and out for blood. But, like, this is very personal and, like, only applies to this season. Yeah, this is one that if you were, like, after the season scrolling through and being like, hmm, I want to read the uh, Survivor Wiki episode guide of this episode. I would know what happens vaguely in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this is the one where Boston Rob made everyone sit down (laughs) in silence at a... At, a, at the camp for hours. Right. Cool. Pull the Garrett. Seriously, like, mad <laughs> Garrett vibes, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that was the most common um, tweet was at the time being like, oh, so when Boston Rob does it, it's brilliant. When Garrett Adelstein does it, he's the worst player ever. Explain that, Survivor. Which I kind of buy into that. Like, if... I mean, if it had worked, it would have been amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. And I and guess, like, truthfully, he was probably just screwed, right? Like, he was brought, like, the fact that this did not work means he was probably getting voted out from the first second he showed right. up here. Yeah, I think this was, like, his best plan. And it still didn't yeah. work. Yeah, like, just hope, it's, hope you force them to Pagong is mm-hmm. probably your best play. Or, like, convince the other side. But I don't think they were super looking forward to working with Boston Rob. Right. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, I think for a swap episode, it was very... Uh, I think the buzzword we've been using this season is necessary content. Like, this was all, like, a swap. And then here's a scene of each tribe and the challenge and pre-tribal and tribal. And that was that. But even through all that, it was a good episode, I felt. Like, I enjoyed watching it from start to finish. Yeah, there's nothing really that made my eyes roll. I agree. A lot of it was necessary for like fairly obvious reasons. But because they had more time, they were able to actually flesh out the dy- dynamics beyond just this is a thing that happened. This is the thing that happened, which I think most <laughs> of the season's kind of been plagued by. We got to see, for example, Michelle and Wendell have like their awkward moment, and then Michelle and Parvati talk about what made it awkward. And then Wendell talked to his people about what made it awkward and then them rejoined together. And you got a fully fledged, uh, fleshed out understanding of the situation, mm-hmm. which I think in other episodes we would have got just the initial conversation. Yeah. On rewatch, I realized that scene was a lot longer than it needed to be. And that's not a bad thing. I was just like, oh, this actually went on for a while, like a while longer than I thought it did. Yeah. You learned way more about. Michelle, you learn way more about poverty. You learn way more about Wendell. All those people and players and how they're interacting in the game. Just from that one little, like, exploration of one incident. And I thought that was mm. really, really fascinating. Overall, I thought this episode was pretty close to the best of the season. Um, Maybe the premiere notwithstanding, but super great, I thought. I mean, I thought the last episode was really good, so I'm sort of on a roll right now with good episodes Mm -hmm. i guess to me what this is is if the editors didn't have a giant time sink what they can do like 
I felt like they did an amazing job of all three tribes. I understood the dynamic, mm-hmm. who was with who, what the potential conflicts could be, um, like on a strategic level. I got it, and then personal personality wise, is I do think it, we also got to explore how each tribe is meshing with each other. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there also wasn't even anything weird like in past like in Edge of Extinction season, I remember doing like turn on the episode at eight o'clock and they're doing the swap. Like it's like Jeff mm-hmm. is just like swap time. We actually got like Yule and Nick and all them talking about what what it's like to not have Tyson there anymore. Like we even got feedback from the last episode. Really jam packed in content, I thought. Yeah, that almost felt weird for there to be this space before sort of the mechanics of the episode took place. So, yeah, very interesting. Pretty good. Pretty good for the most part. I agree. Though I do think it's a little unfortunate that basically it was two tribes got strong majorities and then one got a Sele majority of people that did not like each other. Yeah, that's fair. Though, I mean, at least on the new Decal, I think it could flip. Uh, new Sele seems... Uh, the girls there seem a little bit in trouble, but yeah, it was interesting how... I was like, oh, look, the majority didn't win out this time, but then it's against Sele again, so... Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, they really got unlucky. Like, I don't know if you could with advantages included draw a worse tribe swap Mm -hmm. because the one like there's going to be one tribe with a minority no matter what how you crunch these numbers right for Decal, right if you're thinking from like Decal pagong um but sarah is the one who swaps in the minority with one other person and a vote steal Mm -hmm. so there's basically if Decal stays true to itself zero chance of any Decal members leaving this swap. Yeah. Which is kind of insane. hmm Speaking of which, I don't know, one of my problems with this episode is honestly, I think we've kind of hit the point where too many advantages. Um, I was kind of drawing up in my head of how this would work, and I think a good case study for this is the new Decal tribe, where... On the tribe, we have Denise has a fully fledged idol. Jeremy has a tribal skip. Kim has an idol. uh, Sandra has a idol that she can only play at the next two tribals that she attends. So basically, Jeremy's in the minority. Realistically, there's a good chance he's like, oh, I should probably duck out at this tribal. So he leaves. Denise is now on the bottom. With four people against, or sorry, with three people against her to her one, she probably idles. And then that causes Kim and Sandra to be like, oh no, I better idle as well. Tony could get Sarid out, advantage getting out of the game at the final 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that is a big, like, uh oh, design problem. But I mean, even if you want to go on top of that, there's even ways for with fire tokens and the advantage menu that they have available to them for 
it to be impossible for literally anyone to go. Like, if this group was feeling especially, like, trolly, they could, like, give Tony enough fire tokens to get him an idol, and then no one can go home. Like, right? what are you going to do then, Survivor Production? It's just, like, uh, like, it's fun in a way to have these advantages. Like, they give uh, people who the underdogs like power and stuff, but I just don't know what production is going to do when they find themselves in one of these situations where it's not just, Oh my gosh, it's so epic that Sari literally had to be like, like was the only choice to go out. Isn't that so epic and stuff, which it's not, but like they seem to think it is. So yeah. Yeah. Straight up. I get the point on the call. I think I saw some people arguing that on Yara, Sarah having her advantage made it less interesting, which I think the majority, the Sele majority didn't know about Sarah's advantage. So I think things were still interesting there. It was maybe, I, I still think it was very complex for Sarah and Sophie because they had to decide whether it was worth it to play the steal a vote whether Sophie, who she needed to idol, if anyone. I think there was still a lot of maneuvering there. I agree. I think you're right. I think to call is the nightmare scenario where Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, there's clearly too many things that just exempt you from getting votes. That's clearly a problem. Um, And especially to me, I feel like the temporary idol has gotten a stupid pass in the Survivor fandom. Where this is kind of the nightmare scenario that you're looking at, where Sandra could not even necessarily think she's going home. Like, her idol is only good for the next two. So, Mm -hmm. if they win the next challenge and then go to the next tribal, so at the final 13, obviously we know it's a double boot, but if not for that fact, or if she goes second, oh, I guess that wouldn't work, but you know, if she goes twice. Yeah. She could, by default, have to play that idol, causing advantage get in. So it's not even some clever read by her. It's not even um, some fantastic play. It's she had an idol that was only good at that tribal. Obviously, you're going to play it, which triggers everybody else to pull out their idols. Um, That's how this kind of stuff happens. It's just bad planning. That, to me, is why these limited time advantages are actually kind of bad because often it puts a player in a position where not playing it is a stupid play. Yeah, I think that's a good point you bring up is you might not see, or you might think, oh, being temporary means it's less in power and it's not so much of a power bloat on the game. But what it instead does, it just sort of forces the hand and can create these really... uh, weird situations where they might not have existed otherwise. Yeah. Like Sandra could get blindsided, think she's going home, not have a good read on the game and just play it anyway Mm -hmm. and prosper. Like that's a real thing that can happen. Right. Which is like, not what you want, right? Like you want the charisma idol, like negates almost all the votes. Mm -hmm. Cause she has a good read. It's like, She's like, oh, I'm on the bottom. I I understand that. I'm going to make a big move and do it. That's fun. It's just like, oh, (laughs) it turns out I was getting voted out. Oh, shucks. Mm -hmm. 
Good thing I had this thing that I had to play right now. Great. That was interesting. Yeah, definitely don't want that. Though, not to um, drag Yara too much, but I do think that what you said is true. I agree that there was um, some internal drama on this tribe, despite the fact that theoretically the numbers are kind of solved because if Sarah wants to save it, it's probably optimal play. The problem, again, with these advantages, in my opinion, is that then you enter this weird sphere where I think Adam and Ben just made a move that screws them entirely. And I don't think they had the information to know that was possible. Right. Regularly, you're looking at three versus two. Next vote, if you're with Ben, if like you two are solid, you could kind of force rocks, right? Because uh, four two two goes to rocks. Mm-hmm. In this universe, where there's not an, a vote steal, they've made a play that doesn't doom them short term. Like, okay, Rob's a danger long term, and so I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit, but we're not doomed. We can lock things up. The vote steal completely and entirely discredits that argument and makes what they just did voting out Boston Rob an objectively terrible play because now Sarah can vote steal them and completely not care about them at all. Mm -hmm. So what went from maybe a good call of choosing to not just blindly follow your tribe and what Ben and Adam just did, like opt to actually play the social game is going to get punished relentlessly next round. You can also argue that Sophie's idol means either if she plays it next round when they're planning to go to rocks, she either plays it on the person getting votes and sends one of them home or plays it on the wrong person, which then makes them immune at rocks and still sends someone home. So, yep. I mean, it's really, I think the thing we need to ask about survivor in 2020 is like, do players now need to think not only about what every person is saying to them and what the truth is there, but also like what from the entire slate of advantages could they have at this moment and how could that mess things up? And I think that's too much, at least definitely for me and my brain, that's too much of a possibility slate to like think about and try to, sort of juice down into what I need, what is optimal because then it's just impossible. Like there's idol nullifiers now. Like there's nothing. It feels like there's very little limits in terms of advantages anymore. So yeah, it's it's Colin ball. It's straight up. Anything that can happen will happen sort Mm -hmm. of ridiculousness where there are no rules effectively because you look at this and there's no, like other than just considering their perspective, which I actually think if you do, it's not the worst play. If you just don't, if you take away advantages, mm-hmm. this isn't a bad play, but yeah, the fact that they have two means they should have just not taken the risk. And that's what boils down to most decisions in survivor that the fact that there are these mystery um, kind of minds that you can step on that explode in your face means it does incentivize boring gameplay. Like, what was an exciting backstab of their alliance would optimally should have been, well, we'll just vote out the other guys because they drew a different color from us at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. That's so unfortunate. It's like they aren't even um, really co- considering how um, 
like the social game is really getting a hit here because like they're going to get screwed next vote by two possible advantages. They can pick one. Yeah. Yeah, no good. It's almost I think I've seen games online where they'll be like, "Okay, these are this is what could happen in this game." And it's almost you need that for survivor if you want any sort of integrity which is maybe a little drastic but integrity to the social game is that if you don't have this sort of boundary for where advantages and such can go then it's almost like like random ish like not Mm -hmm. i mean you're still making informed choices based on social stuff but so much of it can be twisted by the time you get to the end result you could have done very optimally socially, perfectly socially, and still have it not work out. 100%. And that's, I think, the scary thing is I think we could be looking at kind of a post-strategy survivor, um, which sounds terrible to me. Like, there isn't really a way to plan for some of this stuff. Like, how would... Like, if you're Ben or Adam, how could you possibly deduct that or deduce, I guess, that Sarah has a vote steal. Mm-hmm. There's no real way to do it because she got it in her bag from Mystery Island, from Natalie Anderson, who you have no, like, to my recollection, nerd who spends way too much time thinking about Survivor. I don't know if Sarah and Natalie Anderson have any connection at all. So why would I ever assume that she got a game-changing advantage from Natalie Anderson? It's, a level of um, thinking that is just impossible to actually read. Yeah, I mean, they don't even technically know that that's how Edge of Extinction is working with the mm-hmm. Fire Token economy, is that people get these opportunities there that they then give to people. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, there's so many steps beyond basic thinking about how the game works. That I feel really bad. Like, if Ben or Adam are the next boots, like, I'm sure the episode will be about how they're bad players or stupid or whatever. But, like, they got screwed, probably. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really thinking one of them's going to get uh, the boot. Maybe their tribe doesn't go. Maybe they win the challenge, but looking spooky. I mean, that's it's really like this weird next episode where we're almost going to get like two of these um, sort of casualties of modern survivor more than anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, Sele, like it's just like you got swap screwed. Like that's the simplest one. But then on Yara, you have these like advantages and then to call you have advantage get in. So it's like, pick your poison. What do you, what do you hate most about modern survivor? I think it really is almost survivors moving past the point of, And maybe it never was this. I mean, it's always been a show for entertainment's sake. But I think there was also a point where, in addition to that, it was a very fair, strategic social game that you could watch play out almost in a controlled state. And now it's becoming more... um, It'll flare out and bullets can fly anywhere and hit anyone, so... See, I don't know. I kind of disagree with that on its. I get what you're saying. It's like survivors moved from um, 
like strategy and socialness intertwining to entertainment. And I think often people use advantages to like as code for entertainment. And I just don't think honestly, this show doesn't last 40 seasons if the primary entertainment value of it was like cheap pops. Like I guess that's kind of a uh wrestling term, but basically what that would be is going for cheap short-term ways to make the audience be like yeah that's awesome but with no long-term um sustainability so i think the real thing that draws people into survivor whether they're conscious about it or not are the stories it's the characters and the challenges that they're forced to like interact with um whether that's survival whether that's the conflict of other people whether that's with the emotions that come with having to vote people out of a society they create. I think that's what draws people to this game. And it's always what's going to draw people to this game. And yeah, sure. Sometimes it is exciting when like people pull out surprise box number two or whatever, but it's also at a certain point you lose part of one that makes those things matter. The reason you get so hype when Karishma or Kelly Wentworth or whoever pulls out an idol and defies odds is it's like, I care so much about this character um, that I want to see them succeed. And I know that they need help, but like right now it's like Sarah and Sophie are overgunned. They have too much power right now and mm-hmm. they're just getting more. It's like, well, that's not fun to watch. Like, and I think what you kind of described is an excellent point. I would have no, like I would have been like, yes, if Michelle had found an idol in this episode or whatever, that would have been exciting. But the fact right. that, two other people did and one of the tribes is a literal disaster if they go to tribal i don't know it's a little hard to um like i i do worry a lot about the survivor turning into just a bunch of cheap pops Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think that's a good way to look at it is that we do really want those karishma or kelly wentworth moments but what to the way to get more of those or the at least the way the producers think that can happen is to stuff the game with more pieces that do that if they get in the right hands the problem is they're just as likely to get into the wrong hands and then that's not as fun yes no that's the thing and i think theoretically fire token should or something like it like some sort of economy and survivor should fix that problem where good, capable players that are on their back foot are able to recover with advantages. That's theoretically what you want, right? Is they can disturb power structures and break them up. Just not happening in Modern Survivor because the best players find the stuff. So they're in a good spot and they find the stuff that upsets power structures. So it's like if a minority ever manages to flip something, they eat a wall of an idol or a vote steal or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what's very unfortunate. Right. Um, overall, though, like I said, this episode was great. Edge of Extinction not being there was amazing. Like, it really gave them time to develop these stories quite a bit. I thought it was great. Yeah, it just, it would have been impossible had they, I mean, I guess they could have swapped that first little scene at the call for edge of extinction but yeah if they devoted any time more than that to it it would have been a nightmare Mm -hmm. 
hundred percent agree with that. Uh, the challenge was bad, right? Like it was kind of well, boring to watch. <laughs> and she- I like that fun puzzle where you have to get different colors on every side. It's like, that's a cute little puzzle you can have on your desk in miniature form. Um, but yeah, I was I was just thinking, I was like, did they do anything else but climb over some obstacles before that? And yeah. They like threw things at a... Yeah, I think, I think the sad thing is it's like maybe my favorite challenge so far, which like, <laughs> I just don't like the rest of the Yeah, they the haven't challenges. been... I particularly good. I guess where where do they have to innovate? Like, I guess maybe just I want to see different set pieces, but that's about it. Like they've done so much; it's been forty seasons. Yeah. Like I guess that's the thing is I'm okay with Reeves challenges, I guess, but I don't know. Reused puzzles is a weird, interesting discussion to have as an aside. Like. The fact that some people like like Spencer knowing the solution to a puzzle, like on its face, is like kind of inherently a problem. I think, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, very, very weird. It's like, wasn't this that one? Well, I this is obvious. Like, I think the cubes get set up a certain way where it's mostly going to look the same from puzzle to puzzle. But I think the like act of jostling them makes you have to sort of figure it out again. I don't know. Yeah. You at least have to figure out which piece is which I guess. Or like change the colors. Like don't make it red, yellow, green, blue. Like that throws you <laughs> off a little. That's true. Yeah. Cause then at least you have to, if you already know the solution, you have to figure out which yeah. colors, which. Yeah. Or just, I don't know. It throws you off and makes you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But any other general thoughts on the episode before we move into the stories? I don't think so. Same. I mean, the only one, I guess, is I think, but I'm going to bring this up with um, individual people. I thought the music this episode was particularly notable and a little different than what we've seen in the rest of the season. Especially the next time on was wild (laughs) yeah just their use of like this lord like singer throughout like and it's been it's a different song now so like did she record like a whole album just for survivor that they're going to pull on like very interesting especially to start here in an all winter season like you feel like they'd want to kind of stick to like what they've done but it's interesting to see it here i did pick up a few uh like music cues which i'm notably like yeah that's your weakness yeah but i did i did find one or two both were uh villainous stings i feel yeah they had a lot of stings you're right that's a good way to put it like there's a lot of moments where and this isn't the usual survivor thing there's a lot of moments where they just do like a really ominous beat just so you're like by the way this is bad Mm -hmm. and what i think is they're really good at sort of letting music play and then flow into the mood they need it to be Mm -hmm. like i like i think a example we might hit on but it's adam so we pretty much know where we stand on adam is they had the sort of tribal council voting music happening and then right when the music gets like 
weird and dopey is when Adam is like fumbling with the voting urn. So yeah, they're really good at positioning things. So it sounds appropriate. Yeah. Like the editing on survivor, like the raw, just like editor in the booth with a sound mixer is incredible. Top notch. Mm -hmm. Like it's really something that you like game of Thrones or something level where they're just able to tell such sophisticated stories with the sound, with the cinematography, all that stuff is always on point with Survivor. Right. But I guess, yeah, that brings us to our themes of the season, long-term storytelling aspect of our show. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, very obviously, number one on the board is, as Wendell said in this episode, <laughs> the theme of the season might just be past relationships. Um, we have this notated as how do you keep how do you use your past to create your present? Um, this is all over the place in this season, and it's not like it's like if you just like pick any scene, pretty much, I'm sure you could extract some sort of meaning of this theme out of that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially just like it was dotted all over the scenes. Maybe not in the most obvious ways, but in this episode, um, you obviously have Wendell and Michelle, which, as I know, was not like an apparent uh, relationship, like the likes of like an Amber and Rob or Jeremy and Natalie. But obviously, it's something that is very much defining the mood of New Sele at this point. But you have sort of Sophie talking about how Rob has done this strategy before. It's the buddy system on steroids, as Sarah says. So Rob using his past strategies in this season. Or Yule talking about um, who he's kept in touch with before and all that. And his relationship with Parvati. Yeah. All sorts of stuff like that. It's just coming up in different ways when Wendell sort of said it. And I think Wendell is a very interesting person we'll get to in this episode, given our past discussions on him, but uh, it's sort of the way he was being presented at that point. It sort of felt a little like misplaced, I think, because I don't know. It felt like he was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, but I think looking at it now, it is sort of, just coming in in all these ways left and right more than anything else. Yep, absolutely. And like even in this in this episode, right? Like uh Yule says, I came in thinking that the people with the past relationships were gonna be the big threats. He says that in this episode even, right? Like mm-hmm. um Rob's voted out hit, like, Rob's interaction when he's like, oh it was that vote unanimous? Tyson was unanimous too. Oh you voted out my wife and my best friend unanimously. Mm-hmm. it's all over the place. And I do think it's very clear at this point that the winner is probably going to be someone that has changed meaningfully from their past. Hmm. Or at least um, grapples with it, I guess, honestly and head on. And I mm-hmm. think positively too. I'm sort of thinking like a Michelle, for instance, hasn't, necessarily changed but she's looked at the past been like i was not looked upon as highly now i am i belong here and here we're going from here i mean in the michelle wendell sort of 
interaction here, Michelle comes out on top, I would say. So absolutely. It's it's people. I think you want a positive look. It's sort of not an Adam who sort of is using past stuff, but it's not working out for him. He seems um, frenetic and all over the place, edgy, like, Mm-hmm. It's just about dealing with your past in a sensible, appropriate way. Agreed. And I actually think Michelle's a great example there where, I mean, in this episode, Wendell was basically saying, like, he went up to her and he's like, like, did you really have to just come talk to me right away? Like, on this <laughs> island? And she's like, yeah, I mean, we're playing a game. <laughs> like, basically, we see her being willing to look beyond the past relationships right being look like being able to learn and grow from the past and still try to play the game well whereas he is from what we see pretty much writing her off right like he's like laughing Just, at her kind of like being really smug not wanting to deal with it like he fumbles <laughs> around like there's an interesting dichotomy where michelle is like wow didn't think i'd get trapped with my ex-boyfriend and then wendell is like uh well yeah, I, Michelle, I, I once kicked it with Michelle. I'm like, just like a very clear split between how those two are dealing with it. Yeah. And I think that's another point that's very interesting is very, very rarely in Survivor, especially because of just how little time they have. Do they ever let someone like dawdle off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Wendell was saying, uh, mm, well, you know, like he repeated himself twice in that confessional. Yeah that's notable they would not ordinarily show that unless it's for a purpose we know people uh say um people say like people why does it never show up on our tv shows because there's the magic of the edit the fact that we did see it is very interesting yeah it's like people are always like why don't my scripted tv shows show people talking as they actually do with all the ums and filler words and all that and it's like that's not (laughs) captivating yeah, like, no one wants it, to hear we, it. We know we, it's said, but you don't want to hear that. You want to hear people make their points and let the plot progress. So when Survivor does it, because these people are real and they are not perfect public speakers, it means something. Absolutely. So I think that's the thing is the people who aren't able to maturely look their past in the eye and grow from it. I think are going to suffer. So you're right. People like Michelle in this episode looking golden. Um, people like you, you will even look golden. People like mm-hmm. Tyson look pretty good. Overall, I think you're seeing the people who are genuinely doing that looking much better in general. I right. also think that this relates a lot to our boots. I mean, what makes a winner a target has been kind of a related theme here. And we've seen that again. I mean, Sophie says she does not want to play with Boston Rob, probably because she played with someone a lot like him and coach in her original season. Right. Right. Or if you think of a Danny, we sort of put it on um, her not really catching on to the game. But I think it is part of that is that she didn't learn from her past. She was so almost stuck in it. Like, oh, I played so long ago. And. We thought it might work out for her, but then it didn't. Like, she fell victim to what would have worked in her past, but no longer works here. Yeah, and I mean, as earlier, our analysis was, well, it doesn't seem to be taking a old versus new school 
side necessarily. But honestly, looking back at it now, I think I've changed my mind on that. I think they were positive to those characters like Ethan and Danny and whatnot, and Amber even, because they're survivor icons, because in general, they're being a little nicer in the edit in general. I think because they're winners and they want to keep the all winners deserve it, right? Like if you win, you win. They mm-hmm. want to preserve that um, kind of identity of a survivor winner. So I do think that they presented them all positively. Like they weren't like, look, Ethan's so bad at the game. He can't keep up. Right. But I do think looking at this boot order, I mean, you'd be like, it's pretty much the five most um, senior survivor players take out Natalie. Like Natalie's the exception. And then right. yeah, for sure. all the old people. Yeah. We sort of thought the things will be hard, but you belong, which we're not going to, I think touch on cause it didn't really come up in the episode, but we sort of thought that applied to uh, maligned winners like your Michelle's and Ben's, but I'm th- thinking maybe more of what we're looking at is these older winners that are like oh we're old school and we have to adapt to a whole new game they all got voted out early so it's not saying they're bad winners it's saying things have changed but you're you still won this game at some point and i think it's a double double-edged sword there too actually where i think you're right it is saying like look ethan's on you did deserve to win you are a player Sorry you weren't able to keep up. We're not going to roast you for it, but we're going to acknowledge that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Separately, I do think there is this undercurrent of a story of the modern winners being self-conscious about their ability to play well. We saw that last week with Nick. We saw that this week, again, with Nick talking to Parvati. Um, We saw it with Adam a little bit. We've seen it with Ben. It's kind of really all over the place where the new winners are really nervous interacting with the icons. Um, Kim mentioned that she watched these people in high school. I think that's really front and center as a theme here. Initially, I thought that would be how the new players struggle to interact with the old players and how it ends up being even as like old players are struggling to keep up while new players are nervous around the icons. And that's how it ends up being like five old players and five new players at the end. But I actually think it's new players struggled initially with interacting with them, got over it. And that's how the game was dominated by modern winners mm-hmm. and in a, a very, double-edged way. Like yeah. they deserve to be here um, and how they learn to realize that they are survivor icons as well as people like Boston, Robin, Sandra. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good way to look at it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think that's a good one. Um, Definitely all over the place. Connects very closely to Edge of Extinction. Not so much in this episode. But if somebody gets voted out and they're like, "Mm, I need to completely retcon my game. Probably looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to our next theme. The idea of meat and nerd shields. Joe. Tell me about, I think we both agree that this one was front and center as a new emergent theme. Um, what do you think about it's the new um, terminology is kind of taken on in this episode? Uh, yeah, lions and hyenas, the new passengers and pilots. 
ish. Well, similar. People just love their metaphors. But yeah, Tony talks about how him and Sandra and Kim are the lions and um, everyone wants to take all the lions out, the big players in it, especially in all-star season. And then all the hyenas come from the sides and uh, feast on what's left, I suppose. So yeah, Tony, once again, following up from last episode, talks a lot about how he needs Kim as a shield of some sort, just how he needs to play a game where there are shields in front of him. Yeah, at this point, it's become clear that this is both a season narrative and very heavily connected to Tony. Mm -hmm. We've seen him in, what, three episodes? Um, Basically, entirely summarize this idea of meat shields, of hiding behind people, of hyenas, of nerd shields, whatever. Whatever it is, he's done it, like, five times to varying success. Last week, he failed with Tyson. This week, he's like, no, Sandra, you need to figure, you need to see this. Like, this is how the game works. And I think overwhelmingly, we're seeing Sandra fail to see it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a huge, crucial element to this story. It could be the story of how Tony tried to keep the threats together and failed. Mm, Yeah, I think that that is a pertinent way to look at it especially as you sort of see how this season might shake out and looking at some of these other tribes where or the other tribes i don't feel like it's as important like because it's sort of developed from sophie and yule in the very beginning where so or yule is sophie's nerd shield but now they're on separate tribes and i would say those tribes don't really consist of sort of lion hyena relationships at the moment yes no, absolutely. Like, really, the only what like Sally was. We all love each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it was that, and then Michelle. It was past relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, Yara was control, right? And a story of that, and then Decal is all about where threats belong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very interesting. Is that we do have these kind of three distinct stories going on, um. I worry a lot with how much Sandra has been shown explicitly being against this. Mm -hmm. Last week, we saw kind of the mockery of the anyone but me strategy. This week, we saw it again. I don't know. I do think that this is maybe a bad sign for our like big threat icon people like Sandra, Tony. But I do think similar to um, Edge of Extinction, we kind of called that most players in the season will be in some way compared to either a lion or a hyena. That's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, I guess I maybe didn't expect Passengers Pilots to take over as much as it did, but at least we'll get that sort of idea of shields versus not shields. Yes. You know. Yeah, they might not actually use the animal, but... Yeah, this seems pretty stuck in Tony's mind, and... I can't imagine it sort of branching out, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. Uh, There's a whole season about trust clusters and Mm -hmm. such. So, um, but yeah, I think the Decal sort of dynamic was very interesting because you could have had a very simple story about how it is um, old Decal versus old Sully with Kim in the middle. 
but instead there is this weird Tony Sanders scene where it's like, we need to stick together, even though that seems like a foregone conclusion. And mm-hmm. we need to keep these threats together as opposed to DeCall versus Sully. It's threats versus, um, I don't remember what Tony called them, but like the quieter players, Denise mm-hmm. and Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, and I mean, we literally get a cut, cut of like the quieter players and then a cut of uh, Denise struggling to cut a coconut open. Like, mm-hmm. that's pretty blatant. And I do think that there's a good chance that that's kind of the narrative here is Tony and his quest to try to keep the threats around. It's very interesting that so far it has failed. Yeah. I don't know if that means it fails long term or not, but like, definitely an interesting thing that right now it's the story of how he's failing to get all of them to get on the same page by the end Mm -hmm. of the episode i think we assume that kim would probably side with jeremy and denise i think so so yeah it's very interesting there Mm -hmm. that brings us to i think the most fascinating one for me is the building bridges by building tools also known as utility as relationships this episode was very interesting so we get Wendell going to Sele camp. And this is, I believe, the first time that we see what a disaster Sele is in comparison to Dakal. Right. At the tribe. Like it's never made that overt before of just how bad Sele's camp was. Yeah, I think I mean, I think I came into this wanting to highlight the theme just because of Wendell. We've seen it as Wendell's theme or where he'll come back up in a swap episode. And I mean, it still was, it was just sort of Wendell presented it as, I want to be a builder of relationships, not known as the builder of actual physical shelters. And then so much of this episode was about, we started at DeCaul and Denise and Jeremy are like, wow, this is amazing. And then, Tony would be like, yeah, it was all Wendell. Wendell did all this. He built mm-hmm. everything. And then we go to Sele, and Sele is this disaster. And Parvati is like, yeah, it's fixer-upper, like posing Wendell as a literal builder. And we see him not wanting to build a relationship he needs to work on and is instead getting pigeonholed into all these building things. I mean, when, he's, when Parvati asks him who he is because she doesn't know anything about him, He's like, yep, I build furniture, and then stops, and Parvati's like, well, he's a locked vault, that's all we know. Mm-hmm. It's so telling. 100%. And it real like, I think this is masterful storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is Survivor at its peak firing at all cylinders, where it's like, look, some people, like Tony, are able to make people really, really like them, because they build a thing, and it creates an environment of people liking them. And maybe Wendell's doing that, too, and that's part of his charm. Like, maybe that's why he's still in the game, is that he's used this theme a little bit of some utility to make people like him. But he's also a a vault, and I think this is what we've kind of always been saying since Ghost Island. Like, people talk about his amazing social game, and we never really saw it in Ghost Island. We never really saw it here. It's like, well, is his social game that good, or does he just make things? And I think we're starting to see what Wendell would have looked like in Ghost Island had he come second. Easily. Where it's like, like, oh, okay, you build a thing. Do you have a personality? It's like, I build furniture. I'm slow. 
getting to things. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, Nick, can you talk to me? I don't really want to talk to you. Like, right. very fascinating. If you think about it, it's sort of focused on that. And then at the swap, we had him and Sebastian's seashell. Like, this very nice moment to sort of focus on. This one, it wasn't even that it didn't focus on him. Like, I think as we, a lot of people were thinking, a swap episode is make or break for Wendell because he might not be visible. Instead, it was almost the opposite where it was showing stuff against him instead of for him. Mm-hmm. Um, showing that, like, yes, the act of building may have worked on call to keep him safe up until the swap, but now it has sort of become his identity in a bad way. Yeah. Like, straight up, this was giving me losing finalist vibes. Like, almost exactly, where it's like, you can easily see this be used against him as like a, he's like, this season I came in, like, a final tribal council speech, right? Like, I wanted to build relationships, not build things. And then people just grill him on, like, basic facts about themselves and he can't do it. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what this episode was giving me vibes of. Yeah, I would say this season has been weirdly, like, I mean, we come off of Island of the Idols, which is like losing finalist edit city. Um, <laughs> but like this season, I feel I've been struggling to find those losing edits. And I think you're right in that Wendell's Wendell really does sort of fit in there because you can see these negative um, things start to creep up. Plus, there was that idea of, oh, maybe he's someone who this is his winners edit up until now. And there he was always present. but it wasn't quite there. So yeah, it is sort of meshing together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking so much about Wendell, but I think this is so much his story, especially in this episode. And um, to jump off of it, I guess, yeah, I think you're right. Like both tribes mention him explicitly mm-hmm. with it, right? Like, um, so I think that's important, but also, I mean, in this episode, we saw Tony fishing. We saw Kim spear and eel. And get amazing. like, like, we talk about how good the editing is on this, but like Kim is just in the middle of a confessional. Then all of a sudden she's like holding an eel between two like chopsticks, just being like, and everyone's like, wow, good job, Kim. How'd you do it? And like, it's, it's very odd, but yeah, (laughs) but yeah, it totally fits into this where now Kim is in a good position. So she is a provider. Mm -hmm. No, straight up like this. I think it's overall a very good theme. I just think it also has a negative edge with Wendell specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we're stretching a bit, a little bit of tinfoil construction hat here. But if you look at Yara's shelter, it's this bizarre, like, Walden fortress of a shelter. Yes. And it sort of almost builds into sort of Rob's control in that moment, where, like, yeah. it just kept everyone in. We see Ben, like, bonk his head on there, showing, like, just not a familiarity or like it's cramped quarters just yeah very very much focusing on building and utility in this season absolutely i also think this is an aside because i'll probably forget it when we get to actually boston rob but um how funny it is that in island of the idols they had this like four-story mansion <laughs> that they totally built and then the Selly tribe that he was actually living on for um two weeks or whatever was like a disaster yeah like these are 
these people have all lived on the island for 39 days. So I would hope they would understand like what they want from a shelter, how to achieve it. And yet Sully just had that sad, sad like platform of a shelter. Like were they sleeping under or on it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it looked like a hole in the ground. Like it was <laughs> maybe one of the worst. Like up there with um what's the guy in Micronesia that slept on his own shelter? Uh, the bigger guy? Joel or Joel, yeah. Where he made uh, his own in the in the rain. Like that looked better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know. That was uh that was something. Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings us to our anything else on this uh, theme here? No, it's a very ripe theme, but I think I'm themed out on it for now. <laughs> Same. Which brings us to fire tokens and the survivor economy. Wasn't huge in this episode, right? Other than the influx of advantages. Well, I think it's interesting to bring up that sort of in this swap episode, which we talk about how that's another big episode. Right at the beginning, we get Nick coming in being like, oh, I got a fire token from Tyson. Like, this is important. And we had Nick give us that very first line about fire tokens. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost like this bell that comes up every once in a while being like, oh, fire tokens. And especially relating to Tyson, who is a big character for us to talk about, maybe not in this episode, but um, just sort of seeing where fire tokens get associated to and whatnot. No, I think that's a good point. And also, like, the fact that Nick said, maybe I would be willing to work with him if he came back because of mm-hmm. this fire token. Right. Lends credence to how powerful they are. Additionally, Michelle being like, I would spend my current fire token and all future ones and Parvati's fire token to get Wendell out of this game. Which, I, if I if I remember correctly, they now can. Because they have four together, which I think can buy you an idol. But isn't that just on the edge? No, I don't think so. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Unless I don't know. I thought only on the I thought on the island they could buy like tarp. Yeah, but I think there were more expensive ones that you could that were advantages. I hope so. I would love if Parvati or Michelle got an idol. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And like honestly, like Nick, Nick could Nick could get a his confidence rocked a little bit (laughs) (laughs) describing it like winning the lottery. Like, okay, Nick. it must've been very surprising though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably happy to not get swap screwed. Yeah. Swapping with your alliance is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I guess that brings us to old school versus new school players, which again, before now we've been, very like maybe it's even i don't think it's even (laughs) Mm -hmm. i just wanted to bring up how it came up again with nick and parvati uh sort of also like uh denise and kim where kim is like i think you play a lot like me and i think we can work together which like Denise and Kim do not play similarly. No, but Uh, they did play one after another, right? Yeah, and it is interesting that um, after that, even though Kim should be the one in the middle and talking about options, Denise and her confessional is like, 
now I feel like we do have options. So there is this sort of tie-in to if you remember Kim enough, you remember she was all about them options. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was watching that and was like, did Denise just steal her line? Like <laughs> that's like if like Tony's like, as long as it's anyone but me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just presented very straightly. So I was kind of surprised at that because yeah, like Kim Spradlin never shuts up about options and now you have Denise <laughs> doing it. Mm-hmm. Um Probably not an accident, right? Like, almost certainly mm-hmm. intentional reference, I think. But yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And I do think that, like, to flavor this out a little bit, I think it was awesome that we saw, like, I thought one of the better, like, little scenes in this episode, like, one of the, like, underrated things from this episode are when they're all looking for the idol and Adam's like, haven't you found an idol before Boston Rob? When he's ranting about idols and he's like, well... Yeah, but I needed four clues. It's nothing like you guys these days. Like, because mm-hmm. often people are like, before idols, after idols, but there is a difference, right? Like, yeah, that was a really fun, like, they've really been nailing these, like, the difference in the time period things, often centered around Boston Rob to really elevate the gravitas, I think, of the season. Mm-hmm. This is one of those moments. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's good for that one. Mm hmm. I guess last to close this out is a theme that didn't present itself, but we sure thought it was going to. And I guess with Edge of Extinction, there's always the chance, but Rob versus Sandra. uh, Where? How underwhelming. (laughs) This to me means it's happening at Edge of Extinction. (laughs) Some sort, yeah. But I mean, last episode we were like, it's going to come to a head. They're going to swap together and Sandra's going to go out. And instead they didn't swap together and Rob went out instead. So yeah. Yeah. We were wrong. We don't, we don't get everything right. <laughs> but, yeah. Like I mean, with how much content that's gotten, just the dichotomy between Rob and Sandra and who's on what side. Shocking. That is mm-hmm. just gone to me. It means it's probably pretty important on edge. It's just, when that happens sure so i guess that's our story section yeah sweet cool so we'll move here to the edge of extinction probably not a whole lot to say no i mean literally didn't exist like we didn't even get to see rob go there at the very end yeah um i don't know just wanted to bring it up because i think i came into this episode sort of being like if we don't see anything from them i don't think it's a slide on any of them because we're talking about like tyson and amber and natalie all having some sort of chance still to win um but i think this episode and the way it, it had to be structured what we had to see i'm not worried that we didn't see any of them same yeah like i mean literally if you know if all of them were the final five Somehow, like, obviously, it's not going to happen, but like, if somehow that weirdness happened, I still think they pretty much get invisible here just because they have to do a swap. They have to show all the new tribes. They have to, there's three tribes. Um, there's a challenge. Like, there's just right. really not time for Edge of Extinction. We've seen, we saw last season, Island of the Idols wasn't there at the swap episode. It's just, mm-hmm. they probably planned on it not being here, like, right. on the beach. Right. And I mean, we have to think back to Edge of Extinction and how 
many times we didn't even see Chris on yeah. <laughs> Extinction. And so, like, it's very easy that, especially here, we might not see a winner contender that we might strongly prefer who's currently mm. on the edge of Extinction. And hey, not lowered in my book. Yeah, I think that's the craziest thing to me is that somebody that literally had no content whatsoever um, is still probably my number one winner contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, I guess to me, I do want to touch on Tyson. Yeah, He got maybe for an invisible episode, the best invisible episode you could ever get, mm-hmm. where he got a he got a relationship scene in this episode. That's true. Yeah. Like now if he comes back, you can imagine him and Nick working together. Mhm. That's kind of unheard of in a way, like Yeah. Um We also got um people kind of wrestling with him not being there anymore, how he was the only one that was um rattling the cage or shaking the boat or whatever. Mhm. Like, there's a lot of personal flavor there, and then the next time on Survivor was very favorable to him. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, we'll definitely get to see him next episode, which I think yeah. is the important thing. Agreed. And him and him and Rob are friends. Like you can imagine content. Like for example, like I'm I'm still obviously also high on Amber. I don't think this episode did much. I mean, she went down one because someone else rose a little bit, but um. I don't think, like, this episode, especially with the way it ended, I would imagine we're seeing our next episode. (laughs) I certainly hope so. If not, like, that would pretty much be her death now there. But, um... Yeah, like, they're in a holding pattern, like, right? Like, they're in a waiting room. Yeah, right. Right. And I guess I've seen a lot of people just be, like, generally lower on Tyson because he's at the edge of extinction. And I think... Especially given his edit so far, that seems like I think just because someone goes to the edge edge of extinction, we can't really judge them differently. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think a lot of people are like, "That's voted out," so that's a different like tier altogether. But I mean, we're here. Tyson's probably still my number one as well. So, like, yeah. I think and, like you have you think to... about it, like, kind of inherently the whole thought process behind edgic is like the best player who's in the best spot right now isn't necessarily the winner mm-hmm. like otherwise all the guessing of why certain content's getting shown just inherently isn't there right like yeah um what's the difference between tyson here and say adam who we're predicting is probably in a lot of danger mm-hmm like, it's one thing to look at on the beach who's in danger. Like, on the beach, Tyson has way less win equity than most people in the game. Now that it's been filtered through a TV show, he has yeah. a lot more than people still on the beach. Yeah, I guess if you're sort of looking at it as, like, a pure, like, probability game, like, what's your chance of getting voted out here? What's your chance of coming back in? Like, yeah, it does seem harder for Tyson to win, but the show is not that. Yes. You know, so like, I don't know. Tyson's still very high for me. Amber up there. Natalie, I could still see it. That's about it. Even Danny could come back. Yeah. You think we, got, we got called out for being mad Danny haters. Which I'm um, surprised of because I feel like you like Danny. 
I mean, I don't think it was me, to be honest. I think yeah, I did I'm too very much blame. But, <laughs> but we will try to be... Her. We'll try to be more fair. I do think she is probably above Ethan. Ethan's story feels more closed up than Danny's at this point. I'd agree with that. So, I'd also have a number of people in the game probably below her, but not many. Right. And I don't hate Danny. I want to make that clear. Um, my problem with Danny is the mysticism behind her that has been annoying to me forever. It's more mm-hmm. of the uh, cult behind her that secretly <laughs> she's the best player. Whatever, she's fine. I actually liked her in Guatemala. I thought she was kind of funny at times. But yeah, that's my problem with her. Sorry if you love Danny. <laughs> so that's Edge of Extinction. Yep. On to New Sully. Okay. And now on to New Sully. Um, where we start even further down the alphabet with Michelle. <laughs> wow. Um, a very interesting Michelle episode. I think. I think the problem with Michelle is she was on Sully because now she just has like a good edit, but like it feels off. Yep. It feels like a good character that I'll enjoy for the rest of her time here, but. I don't know about winning. Yeah, at this point, Michelle's giving me like Fallen Angel vibes. Mm-hmm. As in, oddly enough, as um strange as this is, Michelle Fitzgerald is getting the Aubrey Bracco edit. Which Aubrey Bracco? In Coerong. <laughs> like, almost to a T, where Aubrey was basically invisible in the premiere. And then really shoots up in episode two, three in the pre-merge. Michelle's doing that. She's now been established as a very capable player, largely lacking personal content, personal content. But with the exception of obviously this Wendell interaction is necessary personal content. Usually you're not playing with your ex-boyfriend, but her edits really good on paper. Like uh, somebody in our um, community Message Justin said that they thought that the if you belong, uh, or sorry, you belong if you win, you win theme is starting to look a lot more like a theme specifically centered on Michelle. I don't agree because I do think it has branches elsewhere, but I would mm-hmm. agree that she's the primary figure in that relationship to a pretty meaningful degree. Um, so I do think there's a really good chance that. She is a really long-term character. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't think she has a winner chance, really. I mean, because of that edit, she's still very high on my list. But it does feel, it just feels more like a person you root for as opposed to someone who's winning the game. Mm-hmm. Like, weirdly, I feel like Michelle is the most rootable character at this point. Easy. like. We're getting so much like content just from her perspective, and like it feels like she's talking to us, especially in this episode. So I think, yeah, she's the one we're rooting for. She she has like Janet vibes almost. Yeah, Is that, it's just, and I think it's easy as I did last season to be like, oh, this character feels so good. They feel so much like a winner when they're there. Like, of course they could win, but I think 
it's just a character that you see when you want a really good moment for the show and not so much someone who has the every little point to win, I suppose. Agreed. I tweeted about this, but basically I never would have expected that Tony was our most rational, uh, calm game player and Michelle would be our best confessionalist in character. Mm -hmm. Like really an unexpected turn for the season, but Michelle, honestly, I was never a Michelle lover. Like I'll be open about that. Um, I thought she was a very obvious winner in Co Wrong. I thought Aubrey was a very obvious, um, like distraction. And I was like, well, I, I never really took a side on which one I thought should have won because I was not a particularly big Aubrey fan, and I always kind of figured Michelle was winning. So it kind of put me in a weird, like that that debate happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it was never really a contest because it was fairly obvious Michelle was winning, and I thought. Even more obviously, if it wasn't Michelle, it was probably not Aubrey. So that's kind of a weird spot where I'm in now where I'm like, I'm seeing way too many similarities with Michelle and Aubrey and Korong. Michelle here and Aubrey and Korong, to be clear, that it's kind of hard. Like, I want to root her on. I think she's her and Poverty easily are like, I want that duo to do well. Right. I don't know if it will. I do think there's a good chance she outlives Wendell. I think she wins that fight. I'd be stunned if she didn't, but modern survivor has done crazier things as we saw last season. Mm-hmm. And she feels like she's in so much trouble right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think if you're playing an odds game and you want to pick someone to leave next episode where there are two tribals and on a tribe with their ex-boyfriend, like you, <laughs> Michelle just seems like such a pick. But yet I still think she's going to somehow come out of it okay. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but. That's the weird thing to me, eh, is at the end of the day, you look at it and you're like, has anybody ever been swap screwed more than Michelle is right here? Where not only is it the dominant three alliance that from the other tribe, like this isn't like three random people three loose connections Mm -hmm. this is the three people i mean maybe if you replace nick with sophie instead would be the only stronger bond there right like no i i actually think this is the strong three i think so too i think like we were talking about yule's confessional last episode sophie gets roped into it a lot uh maybe or maybe not because she's winning we'll talk about that later but uh yeah, I think they're the strongest three. It's like the anti-Adam Ben Rob. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. I think they are the tightest three. One of them you ended a relationship badly with. And you have no advantage. And you're in the numbers minority. And one of them played on a season with the other person in the minority. And the other yes. had a crush on the person in the minority. It's just like... Yeah. Everything is stacked against her. And I think to bring back the Janet comparison, it's like when Janet was at the merge episode of Island of the Idols, just completely out. It seems like there was no chance. And yet you are like, but it feels like she's surviving longer. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like she's going to go next. And that's the impression I get from Michelle is that somehow she survives this. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting discussion related to, um, like our previous discussion, right? Where it's like, 
yeah, Tyson doesn't have a good path on the beach to make it out of it. I'm guessing he does. Same here with Michelle. I'm like, it's and with Michelle, it's almost to the point where I'm doubting myself. I'm like, am I believing the hype too much? Like, mm-hmm. but I think she does. I feel like she's a long-term character. Mm-hmm. Definitely, to me, makes the merge. Yeah. But making the merge is a dubious concept in with Edge of Extinction. Sure. I just don't think her story makes sense on Edge of Extinction. Yeah, to some extent. I don't know. But that also could be like the game bot in me, right? Like to me, like proving you can walk up and down a hill. Sorry, Ethan is not that inspiring, but like proving you can play the game. Well, Michelle. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It makes me respect her a whole lot more. So I don't know. Yeah. I, re- I really hope we're right. And I hope she lasts a long time. Cause I think she's really emerged as a shockingly great character. Mm-hmm. She's a really fun confessionalist, both cause she's get- being forced with like a, really like who wouldn't be entertaining in this situation most people probably would but she's also just gives good confessionals now like she giggles when she talks and she laughs and like like i think she there's a lot of personality behind her confessionals that were not there and co wrong at all right right i think yeah just to go back to that whole point about michelle being a good confessionalist and tony being a good strategist I think the strength of this season so far is that they didn't just go down the route of show the legends because they're legends and let everyone else fit in where they can. They gave like Michelle and Sophie, like regardless of where they finished, they have these big edits that I don't think anyone was expecting. Um, Downplay a Kim or even like downplay Jeremy to some extent, like just, Adam coming out as this villain as opposed to a background character. Like they've played with what we expected sort of from this season. And I think it's worked out really well so far. Agreed. Thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Nick. Yeah. Who <laughs> um, he's not sort of having that moment uh, <laughs> with his edit so far. I, it's really hard because I think this episode was weirdly very strong for Nick. It's just that every episode before it was very bad for him. Yeah, I agree. I'll co-sign I mean, that. And I think because we have Wendell to talk about who we've been talking about. Oh, he had a really strong premiere and strong swap too. You could say that in a sense with Nick. He's not even my like first person for like that sort of edit. I don't think. I think last episode was just too bad for yep. a decoy boot. <laughs> That's the thing is to me, Nick, I, I, at this point fear sounding like a broken record. He's almost the reverse Michelle where Michelle looks like she's in danger, but it's probably a long-term character in the game. Whereas Nick looks like he's in a ton of, like he's in the best spot in the entire world because they would even idle out Wendell if they could or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like I should be way higher on him than I am. I don't think he's in danger. I feel like he might be our like Sunday Burkwest like slides into Endgame, but doesn't have a real win mm-hmm. chance character. 
there's also a chance he's getting uh like out entertained and maybe he is a winner contender but to me there's too many people in front of him there's too much like too little personal stuff it is good that he got that bond with tyson i do think that's way better for tyson than nick yeah i think that's good for nick's chances to make it longer yes but like not as a winner nick might get a very good stipend in this game like yeah but I don't know if he's gonna get them too milly. Like, like no. Like yeah. I think I lifted him up a bit because this episode was so good. But there's just that string of episodes two through four that was just too, too bad for him. Like I honestly think I'd eliminate him. I don't think I, I think he's at zero. And yeah, if I if I played that numbers game, I'd probably have him. At zero, maybe like point five, rounding down to zero, like mm. no, in I that think, ballpark. I think zero is more accurate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I feel like I would like him. I like episodes like this where he's around, but yeah, no real chance of winning. The funny thing about him is just like I think I like preseason. I remember basically saying that Nick and Adam are a lot more paying attention to and that Nick is probably the more um, mature Adam. So I feel like he would have the same upside as Adam is that he knows all these people. He knows how to play. Mm -hmm. He could be a useful super fan, but without the crumbling of like not being able to talk to them. But we've honestly seen Nick like, completely collapse when he's talking to like poverty or talking <laughs> about poverty or talking to Yule, talking to Tyson. Mm-hmm. He's really nervous. You read it on the, like it reads through the camera, how like really shaky he is when he's talking to people. Yeah. So sheepish. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's clearly scared to be around them in a way that I did not expect. Mm-hmm. So, I think he's probably like a non-threat throughout the game. Like yeah. I think he is our not important character that makes it far person. Mm-hmm. Like Brett LaBelle or something like that. Yeah. I think that's a good read. So that brings us to Parvati. Mm-hmm. Who's awesome. Yeah. A great episode. And she is my, like the actual Wendell maybe of this season. Or she had a strong premiere and a strong swap, and that might be good enough for Parvati. Especially in all these cases where she's a decoy boot and stuff. Yeah. I think I think it's she's back on my watch list. Not very high, but like I could see it more. I guess she still needs a ton of like relationships. Like she still has no relationships. Her but one I think she has none. Yeah, that could be true as well. I mean, her one got voted out, so yeah, it could be a case where she's starting at the merge. I mean, she has Michelle if they both survive. I agree with your assessment. I do think that Parvati, I would put well over Michelle. Hmm. I think that's the bar that she needs to clear to be a considerable contender. I think obviously people have pointed out that she hasn't been super visible while 
not many people have been very visible this season. Mm-hmm. There's been very few people with consistent visibility. So honestly, unless it's just one of them, which are most of our winner contenders, keep in mind, like my top tier is pretty much the people have had content every episode. Mm-hmm. Almost one to one. Parvati is then like after you get through that, you then have to look at the people who got content in pretty much every episode. Parvati there fits and she's on the upper half of people in that zone that I think are viable. Additionally, again, she's my favorite of all time. Um, the way she talked to Nick and Wendell was amazing. She's like, oh, so you're a... I Wendell, tell me about yourself. I know nothing about you. And he's like, I'm a furniture builder. And she's like, all right, Nick. Well, tell me. He's a lock vault. <laughs> she's so, like, poetic. Like, how does she talk? Like, all her lines sound scripted. Yeah. But in a good way. Like, right. I don't know. She has a very, like, funny diction or something. Like, some mm-hmm. vocabulary, something like that. Yeah, like, last episode, uh, when her and Rob are strategizing with Adam on the beach and Adam's like, yeah, I'm just going to stick with them. She's like, Oh, are you just going to play puppy to them? And it's very like, just so poignant and like gets the point across and excellent. Mm. She's really what once in a generation person, I think in survivor, but Mm. that's the thing. Additionally, what's weird about poverty is she does have an amazing premiere, like amazing premiere. Mm-hmm. And pretty dang good this episode. You said that she doesn't have relationships. If Wendell's the boot, like say they go, Wendell gets voted out. Does she not have the best relationship with every single person? All the time? That is very true. Because she kind of does. Yeah, it might not be relationships. I think the thing I need is like Parvati needs to like sort of fit into the season. Right now, she sort of, like, drifts around it and, like, really floated through that first pre-merge phase. Here she has some footing, but she needs to, like, really, like, I don't know, just fit in in a way a lot of these people are. She feels like a secret scene every single time she's on screen. (laughs) Like, like, wait, what? Parvati Shallow is out there with them? (laughs) What? Yeah, I mean, it even feels like Given who's been booted so far, it feels like she's the one who should have been booted by now, but is somehow still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's doing well, it seems like she's not she's not pulling like a Kelly Wigglesworth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a non-factor. Like she seems to be a factor. She seems to be important. I don't think she'd get voted out if they went, but like, is it just Wendell if they go? somehow i i don't know i almost think they don't go i kind of think they don't go too so that means poverty is in the merge of all winners insane she would be the only person to play four times and make it to merge all four times oh shoot really yeah wow like again i think poverty is the greatest of all time that would verify it but i that's pretty close. And I mean, this, even with that, this could still be her worst showing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I think, but, yeah, she is, she is like weirdly doing like just enough to sort of float by and yeah, get to the, 
get to point she needs to be at. So yeah, she is for me win equity, but not longevity, which is mm-hmm. a, always a weird one to balance. Where yeah, she could win this game, but she could also leave next week or pretty much whenever. Right. I mean, we've talked about before how previous seasons don't have an effect on like the final tribal council. But if you're Parvati and you make it there, that's the third final tribal council you've been to, which right. is like more than anyone else. Yeah, at a certain point, like there's some characters that I feel like you do have to just kind of be like, okay, somehow we let Parvati make the end. Mm-hmm. Like she probably deserves to win. I and it wasn't know. like she was a goat or anything. Like <laughs> Hmm. yeah i don't know Very curious very curious indeed which i guess brings us to wendell the most curious <sighs> i mean so last week i came out swinging being like people are sleeping on wendell like you could easily <laughs> pop back up he popped back up the first time i watched the episode i'm like boom i was right Wendell could totally win. Then I rewatched the Michelle stuff. I'm like, ooh, never mind. He comes off like a total douche. Um, yeah. Yeah, he popped up, but we were not meant to sympathize with him. No. Like, this is the first of the villainous stings I uh, detected. When he starts talking to Michelle and really just, like, blows her off, it's just very angry music at him. Yes. Like, and, like, everyone is pretty much like, wow, Wendell did not react to that okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah, almost over-the-top negative, which not what I ever expected from Wendell. Like, Yeah, this is the closest to over-the-top negative I think Wendell could be. Mm-hmm. Like, he just gave off major, like, fuckboy vibes. <laughs> like, no one, no one likes fuckboys. Um, yeah. Like... She's like, yeah, we were in a relate. Like Michelle uses the words, we-, "we were in a relationship." He says, "We kicked it." Yeah, multiple times, <laughs> laughs about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real bad look, especially that one with, um, him and her. And she's like, "So, like, do you want to talk to me?" And he's like, "Do you have to talk to me on this island? Do you have to?" Hmm. Just like. awful gameplay like like this is like so like the worst thing for me is like that wendell is like one of these social game winners it's like (laughs) no way like like you like you look at poverty and you're like okay i get how she could win a social game she's likable she's charming she smiles like nick is like like his eyes are like the hard eye emoji when he's Mm -hmm. beside her and then like wendell's like i build furniture and you're like, is that social game? Like, is this the social game master? Yeah, just so fumbly and like, just not good with his words. Like, either with Michelle or, and I think it maybe he does have that ability to be like okay with Nick and Yule, but I think he sort of falls victim to the idea that oh, I've got the majority. Michelle and Parvati don't matter, so he doesn't really think mentally about how I need to talk to these people as though they matter. Mm-hmm. And that's where he falls apart. Cause I think that's when we did see like inklings of him being not great socially on ghost Island. 
it was because he was interacting really poorly with that Malolo minority. Yeah, that's true. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is one thing is that even in Ghost Island, like we pointed out multiple times, moments where they showed him being very antisocial and standoffish, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's there's the one episode where, like, chaos is going out all in the foreground and they do like really clever cinematography things where you just see him like building something in the background. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, is this story about how this guy just didn't catch the point? Like didn't realize there was a game going on. It wasn't that like we were right. It was just like, they threw a lot of shade on him. I think they're like, look, he's socially good and people appreciate like that. He makes them stuff, but he is kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Oh, for and sure. We're seeing that big time here. Yeah. I think the worst one was the one with poverty when he just like, I'm slow to things. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think he probably gives off like chill energy. Like. Right. But... Yeah. Wendell is now second from the bottom <laughs> for me. Pretty much same. Like. Maybe he could come back from the edge or something like that. Like. He's on that tier for me where maybe he can like his story is how he wanted to build relationships, not build things gets voted out. It's like, Oh, I guess I was just building things too much, huh? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like that, yeah. that is in that tier for me, but it would need to be very much like learning something and coming back from it. Yes. But I almost think we were sort of right with a losing finalist at it. I agree, and I do think that Wendell just... I don't know. This this one's given me actually a lot of... Like... Like, this is another one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I see a lot of his problems. Like, mm-hmm. as a player. I don't know. Like, I remember, like, even just in the pre... Like, I do a lot of drafts and stuff with my uh, Survivor friends of who's gonna win and all that kind of stuff, and so many people were like, Wendell is the greatest player of all time because he's so chill and cool and he's the best social game player of all time. I really think that this season is probably making them sell those stocks a little bit, but mm-hmm. should be. I think so. He's probably I'm, a cool dude. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that it works out for him and they vote out Michelle. And it's like, well, yeah, I didn't need to worry, but... That's not the vibe I'm getting right now. Same. Agreed. So that brings us to Yule. Maybe the main event of this um, episode. Really? You don't think so? Well, <laughs> I mean, I came off my first watch of the episode, and that opening scene with Yule was Yule's Ben moment. Yule is probably winning this season because of it. And then I sort of took it back, looked at it, and was like, eh, I'm not so sure. It felt really good, but, like, it also felt like it was could have just been awareness for ALS and not necessarily I'm playing for this. Yeah, I'm pretty much same. On first watch, I left. Not even first watch, necessarily. It was and about the first 15 minutes between the show airing, me kind of reconciling it, talking to my girlfriend who I was watching it with, I'm like, hmm, wow, Yule really got, like, even on the commercial break, I'm like, is that, like, the most obvious winner scene of all time? 
Like, because mm-hmm. it's up there. And then once it got to like the challenge, I'm like, actually, you know what the moment was? It was the moment that the commercial aired the CBS Cares thing. I'm like, oh, never mind. That mm-hmm. wasn't a winner scene. Um, I think that what we're seeing here with Yule is that he's the main character. He dominates the game. He doesn't win, gets on finale night, and CBS donates money to ALS. Hmm. I feel like that's what we're seeing. Is he's he's almost the growth at it, like that same tier, like the Donathan, whatever, something like that, but with a strategic agency. To me, I actually think this is really bad for his win chances. Um, as weird as that is, it's like it puts him like gives him so much positivity and so much narrative strength that I almost think he can't win. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's still a net positive because to me it still looks like some form of like stakes. Like we've seen you'll be strategic and sort of drift positively through the call and then this episode was like here is something that's very important to me here's why i'm playing this game and so i think i'm looking at him more like he feels more winner to me than not but it's still it still doesn't feel completely right which is always the problem we've had with yule is that it feels like there are too many other important people revolving around him for it to be him yeah, I think I, but like with Wendell skewing negative, Nick skewing bad, it's basically him and Sophie are the ones in power. Mm-hmm. To me, I guess it is like if, well, if Sophie, something happens to Sophie, like could she skew negative too? Or could she, that seems possible. It's just how you will dominate the game. Because also now that I'm thinking about it, like the other times I can think of where Survivor really came out and had some sort of big, like, um, like stand up to cancer with Millions vs. Gen X, right? Um, maybe a huge partnership with them coming out of that season. Adam wins. Mm-hmm. They have a huge thing with Ben and his veteran charity in Heroes vs. Healer, Healers vs. Heroes vs. Hustlers. Mm-hmm. Ben wins. It kind of is usually tied to winners. Yeah. So maybe I'm talking myself out of that point. I guess to me, I would think this is a good excuse for why he doesn't win. But that's kind of the same argument a lot of people use for Ben. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, like he won by proving himself. But maybe that's you're right. Maybe. I don't know. Yule's the the one in my head where it, he bounces back and forth constantly because right. he's either like the most quote unquote in your face winner, or he's a big old distraction, and it's really hard to tell which. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that maybe tempers me on Yule a bit is that we're coming right off of Island of the Idols, which had all these moments of like sort of um, awareness and just all that. And so I'm just kind of wondering, is this the direction the show is maybe taking where they're examining these issues that are important, especially to such a group of people who are so important to the show itself. So I guess that's where I'm kind of coming at it from 
It also might be, I may be not the most stoked on a Yule edit Yule winner when there are so many other interesting contenders going around that I'm sort of like saying, oh, this scene doesn't mean that much when the points you made up about Ben and Adam are very good for this. So, right. uh... That's the thing is when I thought about the other time CBS has somebody, I, has there been another one other than a winner? Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what, what you're sort of considering a scene like this. True. Like is Ethan stuff in this same season? Is that sort of uh, cancer awareness or stuff like that? True. So, I don't know. I would say if on my first read, I had Yule as my third contender, but I was also having problems with another person we have yet to discuss. And so things got reshuffled. I think he's probably like, uh seventh or so i think he's in my top five um it's just he might be number five yeah yeah and i totally get that i think i think there is something to consider there and i do think actually with the exception of chris we are basically looking at the modern survivor meta of the winner more or less being right out in front right like nick way out in front um tommy way out in front dom and Mm -hmm. wendell way out in front they haven't really done the subtle thing very often chris yes but for obvious reasons right all the the other winners have been really in your face since adam i would just say this season if they're doing that it is more of like a Goliath, where there are a bunch of characters that you could say are out in front. Yes. Where you have Yule, but you also have Tony and Sophie and um, other big characters like that. Michelle, like who are getting these big edits and you just don't know which one to choose. 100% agree with the David versus versus Goliath comparison because you're right. I mean, one Nick's on the season, but (laughs) uh, two, like (laughs) it is, you're right. There are so many characters that are flawed there's so many that are mixed there's so many that are positive Mm -hmm. that you're right that that is a good point yep so yeah yule for me is probably number five depending on the hour might be my number one but my (laughs) official lock-in is number five right because i do think he has some stuff missing i do think he might get more he might actually get more game talk if he's the winner yeah i think that was kind of what was missing is he seemed very outside of all that was happening on Sully for what we saw. Like we did see him bond with Parvati, but like it was basically like Nick and Parvati and Michelle and Wendell was like, Yule is this weird outer character. Mm -hmm. And I do think like, honestly, Yule's part there was more like a montage of look at Parvati work her magic was that Mm -hmm. scene, right? They just sure. yeah. showed which one matched best with that. Yeah. So that's something. Which brings mm-hmm. us to DeKal and our good pal Denise. DeKal is like a tribe of people I don't think have a chance of winning in Tony. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I was trying to sort of like, I know it's very early. Well, I guess this pre-merch might just be, or this swap part might just be two episodes long. 
but sort of picking out which of these tries is the complex one. And I was like, hmm, it just feels like it really isn't Decal. <laughs> like it's not going to be Decal. Yeah, I don't know. I'm also a believer anyway that three try like the swap part is not necessarily the complex. Um, right. Because we we were during David versus Goliath, we thought the green tribe, Tuva, was that their yeah. name? We thought they because they had all these complex characters and then ended up watching them go one by one. But, yeah, I just don't think I, I'm I am a firm believer in complex tribe theory. I just think it matters more on the original tribe. Yeah. Unless one of the tribes is really uniquely defined. For mm-hmm. example, Yawa, cross my fingers, and um, Ghost Island. Oh. Is okay, that it? Yeah. Right? It's the Green Wendell tribe. Where it's just like, we're the best tribe of all time, and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to win all the challenges, and all of a sudden Wendell's a huge character. Like Stuff like that is where the difference makers are. But, sure. Um, I do think it with the three tribe thing, I think it does like a swap into three. Sometimes you aren't going to get one that's conducive to making a tribe complex. Mm-hmm. Like even last season, Tommy was just on a tribe of like, he's getting voted out if he leaves. Like, yeah. Um, or if he, if they go to tribal. So I do think, think sometimes it's that way. I agree. This tribal looked more complex than it probably had any right to be. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll go through that now. Yeah. What did you think of Denise? Good pal of Kim now. (laughs) Um, She looks fine. Like, I mean, this is an okay episode for her, but she really needs like a miracle. Like several episodes in the past need to be rerouted for me to consider more heavily, honestly. Like agreed. I think she's, such a supporting character which is a shame i love denise but almost every scene leads to her being more of a supporting character rather than any sort of winner contender or main character i agree i think one interesting thing is we were both dead wrong with her swapping with ben Mm -hmm. or adam like really neither Mm -hmm. bizarre i that's something i feel bad about but um Honestly, guessing the swap tribe's hard. Oh, and this swap was impossible to guess. Right? Yeah. Like, there's almost no one I would have predicted being together. Like, straight up. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Denise just... Her story's incongruent, basically. Like, it doesn't... Or, sorry, incoherent. Yeah. Incoherent, where it just doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. She was cursed at the start and then she won didn't really get to mention it um found an idol wanted to give it to poverty didn't really make sense adam made fun of her for it has an idol still Mm -hmm. it's just a kind of a there's not a path at all there's not a clear story it's she was on the bottom that she wasn't that she kind of was right now she is again yep it's still that aubrey from game changers edit where yeah they're playing fine-ish they're not going to win, but we'll give them moments when they they feel like they need it. Exactly. Which I, I love seeing every Denise moment. And I think, I mean, I wish I could see more, but I think for what we're seeing so far of her purpose in 
this season. I think it's a good balance for her. I agree. And I guess to like kind of um, pull back the curtain a little bit on how this kind of stuff happens, right? Like, how does long-term story matter? One, I mean, Jeff Probst is a, like, if you look at him in inter- any interview, the thing that he overwhelmingly says that keeps Survivor above other shows is how much attention they pay to the small details and stories. 100% agree with that. How that translates into the show is there's a bunch of narrative producers. There are people who are thinking about how do we turn X footage into Y show that tells a story with all these individual people. And inherently, each narrative producer is going to have some stories that they favor or some stories that are kind of pet projects that they definitely want to portray or Mm -hmm. whatever. A lot of it comes back from the winner, but a lot of it comes back to some producer really wants to tell the story of how Michelle proved herself or whatever. Denise Mm -hmm. reads like the one who has nobody, like none of the people in charge have like a clear end point or start point for what her story is. Mm -hmm. Like they just are like, you know what? We like Denise. We'll pop her in when she's important, but yeah, we we don't have anything for her. Mm -hmm. So that's Denise. Yep. Might. I don't even know how long she'll last. I don't think she really has long. She might meet up with Ben and Adam again. Yeah, I think she makes merge. Probably same. I mean. Not hard to. This is the weird tribe where. I mean, if they go to tribal council, it really only has one result, which seems weird. So I I don't know. But like, (laughs) I think if she does make it, she does have some longevity. She just feels like she'll maneuver sort of to like eighth place. Yeah. I could see her maybe as a losing finalist. Not super high chance, but Mm -hmm. that's her upside, I guess. Mm -hmm. Next up, we'll go to Jeremy. I guess, wait, speaking of losing finalists, do we know like the second place still only get a hundred grand? I don't know. That's something. I mean, if it's still the same, if the winner prize went up and losing finalists is still the same, even more incentive to flip on people, right? Like second place is going to burn a whole lot more. You're 20 times worse than just 10 times worse. Well, I mean, but you're only half worse if you're looking at placement. <laughs> yeah, but who's looking at placement when you're not looking at the dollar bills, Joe? Hmm. Or the loonies, if you're in a country that matters. Um, which brings us, I guess, to Jeremy. Um, Not a bad episode for Jeremy. You're kind of a confusing metaphor with the beer of knowledge. <laughs> that was, Yeah, I mean... A bad metaphor, I think, but like a good episode. Like if I were ever on the Jeremy train, like this would be a good case in favor, I think. Yeah, as somebody who was loosely on the Jeremy train, I am like a little like this episode almost tricked me. You know what I mean? Like I've been higher on him than you have. He feels like better, Denise. Yes. Like where he's more constant. It's just not. Like if Jeremy wins this. It's just not ever what I would have imagined. For him. You know. I agree. But at this point you do kind of have to. The idea. That Jeremy really is. Like I said earlier. One of the very few characters. That has been in every single episode. In a meaningful way. Mm-hmm, that's true. Like it's really. 
at this point, what him, Tony, and Ben, and only wants to not go UTR. Yeah. yeah, that's something. What it is though, I don't know, because it's not like he's the, like he's not Boston Rob. He's not. I like Jeremy a lot. He's one of my favorites. I think that's a niche opinion. <laughs> I don't know. He's my girlfriend's favorite of all time, so she's really happy he's on the show. But I'm also <laughs> like, like, what's his story? It's like right now, I guess it's still revenge for Natalie. And overall, he just like kind of gently glides against the stories of the season, but doesn't quite hit them. Yeah, for sure. I think I guess to me. It's possible he goes by not playing the tribal skip. Yeah, I think because I feel I just feel so strongly that the call has to be going to tribal. Because I mm-hmm. guess I sort of talked myself out of Sele going. Um, so yeah, I think what happens is those two think they flip Kim and then don't play their advantages, and. Maybe they do when they get out Sandra. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But. Because that's the interesting thing, right? Is like Sandra playing her idol would tip off the other idol. Hole. Yeah. But it might be too late for Jeremy to play his thing. Oh, yeah. I think after he needs to play it before the votes because he can't vote. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess maybe what happens is. They think they flipped it. Sandra plays her idol. Denise tries and either she goes or Jeremy goes. Yeah, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. But Jeremy leaving this early seems wrong because of how visible he has been. But I guess it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at my chart, like I said before, it's always like Jeremy could have been UTR if I had been in a different headspace. But he's True. just always enough to get to more. <laughs> Yeah, well, he always he's got a confessional every episode, right? Like, uh, I think so. I believe so, and they're usually pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. And he does have like his episode two is really good. He has some like really good episodes in there. It just like doesn't quite collectively tie together, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, he meets up with Michelle again because like they were fun together. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think they don't. I mean, if they, if Jeremy goes, I think that's really bad for Michelle. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Jeremy. Mm-hmm. So I have a hot take on Kim. So I'm excited. Um, I maybe a, a lukewarm take. <laughs> this is so sad that Kim's getting roasted because, literally, she gives this idol to Sophie. Sophie gets the like star making confessional where she's like this is the worst thing she could have ever done because i'm the devil and i'm gonna bury her kim's so stupid for giving it to me she should have given it to tyson we learned a flashback scene that sophie gave it to kim anyway what happened to the devil um what happened to the worst decision she could possibly make kim still has an idol it was such a flyby scene like i Drop Sophie off my contenders. I know we'll talk about it later because I did not understand that this had happened like in the episode. Like, 
I thought Sophie was just talking about how she knew how the idols worked because she had that one with Kim. And I had seen earlier that Kim had her whole immunity idol from like the lower third showing it. But like, yeah, it is weird. I think that's really good for Sophie, how they sort of were like, yeah, we I found the idol and I give my back to Kim so I know how this works. It's mm-hmm. very like sort of glanced over. So it's um, terrible for Kim, who did it right. You know what I mean? Like that's true. I mean Kim played it right. She got some <laughs> she maybe made more of a connection with Sophie, got Sophie to give the idol back, left the tribe still alive and with an idol. Mm-hmm. Kim played that perfectly and got like dismantled in the end for it. Right. Like, I mean, I was going to say, in terms of good episodes for Kim, like, this was an okay one, but, yeah, that not being addressed at all. Like, just as a throwaway line, being like, yeah, I'm in the middle, and I also have my entire idol. Like, that should have been from her perspective if she were winning. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's the thing. Kim ain't winning. Kim is no winning. chance. I think she is last. She could go far, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, I think Tony, notwithstanding, I think she goes farther than all the all the people on this tribe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good take. I guess that's my take is her and Sophie are gonna go back at it because it makes no sense. Yeah. And she, I think she's in a good spot. Like, mm-hmm. I think she has really good connections going forward, weirdly. Like, because she was seemingly in not last place on Decal. Yeah. Like, if Decal was like a happy family after Tyson left, like, that implies that she got in somehow. And then she'll have at least one of Denise and Jeremy, if not both, and all the connections they can go back to. She has Sophie making new connections. Yeah, maybe hot take. Kim's playing really well. Yeah, Kim is right? playing better than the show is wanting us to believe. Yeah, like <laughs> coming into episode two, I was like, "Wow, they really buried her." Like, mm-hmm. but like maybe they just have to show her as bad, and they're like, oh, "She kind of played okay." People just didn't give her a chance at the start, so we'll over ham that up a little bit, right? Or maybe like. She could be a losing finalist. That seems and... too far to me. Hmm. I think she's like a late merge boot, like mid mid merge boot, like yeah. seventh, like Karishma. She's Karishma. Maybe. Like I feel like she'll do something cool with the idol and then bow out. Yep. Yep. Fade it off into the sunset. But yeah, Kim's great. I mean, you spear that eel. Yep. Amazing. Move to Sandra? Uh-huh. What do you take of Sandra? <laughs> like, this season is the season of let's give Sandra a bad edit. <laughs> like, awful swap episode. Like, just, uh, just not a good look. Like, she didn't have anything. That's not true. You don't think so? She had some things. They were just manipulated or overtly bad. Like, I think you're right. This is the reverse Game Changers, where 
Game Changers is like, okay, her placement wasn't great, but she showed off how good she is, how she can control a tribe. Mm-hmm. Like, this one is like a mockery of Sandra. Like this mm-hmm. season, we get her at a at the swap speech. I'm surprised this isn't where you're going to talk about the negative music sting. Because I don't know if anyone's ever got buried by the edit more than Sandra when she was talking about how if you're in the majority of a swap, you can take out people you don't like. Jeremy raises his eyebrows, looks like, what? And like the most like insulting, deflating sound plays in the background as Sandra's like, uh, well, um, never mind. I mean, you know, I like my group. Uh, that is true. She I looked for- like a joke. <laughs> I did forget about that. It was really punctuated like a like a punchline. Like, look how dumb Sandra is. She ain't winning. She's last. Yeah, she's my last place. Oh, yeah. Like, like give me Todd Herzog over Sandra. Like, I guess if you're like. Really wanting to hide it, being like, oh, here comes a three time winner. And it's just like out of absolutely nowhere. like tricked you levels yeah yeah if the entire season was made to troll edgic okay sandra can win Mm -hmm. but it never is it never is they don't care we're like a small niche community on the internet right like Mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't infiltrate the mainstream they don't care i mean i guess the thing is like it's sandra so it's like she's so legendary that you could see her like, if she won and her edit was bad, you'd still be like, well, I guess she probably still deserved it somehow. <laughs> like, yeah. But I, I I, don't think that's happening. That's the thing. She has, like, negative 10% chance, I think. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It almost reads to me like they're mad at her. Like, they're trying to make her look stupid. And I'm, I'll, full disclosure, I'm not the biggest Sandra fan in the as a player, as a personality, she's one of my favorites. Like mm-hmm. as a player, I've never been super high on her. She's way better than how they're showing her. Like mm-hmm. they've made a special mention to talk about how much she's on the bench. Like if you look at the survivor Facebook page, people ain't happy about S- Sandra sitting on the bench, but <laughs> additionally, like they've made fun of her. Anyone but me thing. They show Tyson seeing through it, making fun of it. Uh, we see, her like we see tony pitch to her a good plan to keep tyson that was manipulated her say like i've never let emotion guide me before and then emotion guide her Mm -hmm. see her struggle to see tony's point about keeping the lions and hyenas she just is always wrong like always wrong always has like dodo music playing (laughs) it really feels like she must have done something to piss them off yeah, and I mean, we're high on Tyson. If Tyson's winning, it's either the painter as a villain who was like, oh, this is why Tyson got voted out. It was a really dumb move by Sandra. True. Because we got that with War Dog and um, Edge of Extinction, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's fair. Like, when he voted Chris. out Chris. Mm. Like, straight up. Like, that's exactly how that was presented. Mm-hmm. I guess... That'd be a little disappointing to have their same trick sort of played twice, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's it's it would be disappointing because 
that like I think that's something that we did pretty well at calling is like, well, it's kind of weird that uh, this is the one boot that was shown like a bad move to keep Kelly in the game. Mm-hmm. So that's something. But yeah, Sandra, like she's on the one where I'm like, I kind of wish she didn't come back because honestly, she hasn't added anything because they're just making her a joke. Right. Yeah. You talk about like how much the season has really made almost every character better or at least shown them well as who they are. Like Sandra, like I don't like this version. Like I'm a huge Sandra fan and this is just not, not good. Like I don't like watching the Sandra really. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of that, like that's the thing. I'm sure she's fun out there. I'm sure she's giving good confessionals or whatever. Mm-hmm. It does. She seem like she's playing bad. Like, Voting out Tyson clearly was a bad move. Um, but also here, like, seems like she's reading the room wrong. Like, she might get saved by this idol. But, like, it does seem like she's not playing great. But separate to that, like, I don't think she's playing as bad as it's showing. Yeah. Like, normally I like her as a character. She's really boring in this season. Mm-hmm, for sure boring and complainy and all her contents about how she does things bad. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I was kind of happy with the end of Sandra's saga being like me being like, well, I loved her in Pearl Islands and I didn't really love her win in her here's first villains. And then game changers being her like victory lap of like, look how good I am. Mm-hmm. This one kind of, I'll probably try to retcon this out of my memory. Yeah. It's like if she gets voted out on call, it's like not the same epic effect that it was in Game Changers. Yeah. I applauded her and it just feels like, yeah, you're voting out someone who's not good for your game. She could place better and look worse, mm-hmm. which sucks. Yeah. So that brings <laughs> us to Tony. Really interesting spot for Tony to be in in this season. Mm-hmm. I think Tony is my number one contender at this point. Really? Above Tyson? It's really close still. Like, to, to me, it's like 40-40. Um, really hard to decide, but, like, I think he's number one. It's hard to say, though. I think this episode sort of threw me off. Like, it wasn't... I mean, this is a weird tribe for him to be on, like we've said... And he didn't really get, I don't know, like, the content I was expecting. Like, it wasn't bad, per se, but it wasn't an all-star swap episode, you know? So, I'm not as high on him. He dropped down to three, but, I don't know, I still, I could still see it. Yeah, this, this was a bad episode, in some ways. Where you could see the story tip to how he failed to get his mission across. How Tony was right and everyone else was wrong and that's why he lost. But I do think it is interesting that he's got to reinforce this idea over and over again. It does give me Jeremy in second chance vibes. Where it's like, look at how good meat shields are. I think he's kind of narrated it in a slightly different direction. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, he is one of, 
he's the most consistently visible character on the season. Right. He's definitely the most complex where you get to see how he is as a person, how he's playing, like what he wants to have happen, how he sees the future, how he sees the past. All that is fully fledged. And Um, I do think that gives him a lot of win equity. He's also super fun. I think he's a great character. He seems right all the time. Right. I will say, I think this episode looks really good if things do not go his way on this try, but he comes out of it. Okay. Yes. Like, it looks like he had the right idea. It just didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. Like, if like if you're saying, like, Sandra gets voted out or something. Yeah. You're right. I actually think that's the interesting piece of the puzzle to me is, like, I obviously just posited the theory that maybe Sandra made mad at her. But maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it is, like, he, she messes up and gets voted out for it. And then to- Tony's story is, I told you so, Sandra. Mm-hmm. And reunites with Sarah. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if, like, he does get his way and say one of Denise or Jeremy goes. Like, I think that makes less sense for the swap episode. I agree. So, yeah. That's sort of what I'm expecting. I think... I feel so strongly about Tony having a winner's chance that, like, I think Sandra will go next episode. I I also agree somehow. Which Maybe be- her idol was only three rounds. Or she just is holding out. Like, yeah. she's really that bad, I guess. <laughs> that c- Honestly, you're right. That could be the story. It's like how Sandra had, an, like, it's the Chris Noble, right? Where you have an idol good for two tribals and you get yourself mm-hmm. voted out somehow like mm-hmm. that maybe, unfortunately is possible and that could be why they're like downplaying her and sort of showing these stupid moves is because she does something truly stupid which is kind of what they did with jt and game changer mm-hmm. in the same scenario right like <laughs> like buried it at camp didn't even bring it yeah maybe that's what happens that'd be yikes mm-hmm. but yeah like I don't know. Tony's a lot of fun. Um, he's definitely in it for the long haul. Oh, yeah. Whether he's winning or not, he's definitely making it far. And I think I would put a little bit more money on him being winner versus like, I couldn't see Tony, the losing finalist. Unless oh, no. it's like, I guess you kind of could. No, no, I was saying how he failed. I was saying I couldn't either. I think Tony, if he makes it to the end, he definitely wins. I think I agree. I do think there is a world where the story is like, he tried so hard, but failed mm-hmm. at his mission or whatever. But yeah, you're right. I do think overall, like, if he makes it to the end, he probably wins. He has a good chance of making the end. Probably mm-hmm. a better chance of being like fifth-ish. Yeah. But he seems to be playing really, really well. Like, would it be a crazy take to say Tony's playing the best of everybody? Mm. Maybe Michelle. I mean, now it's a really hard time to judge that, right? Because of the swap. And, like, Michelle yeah. was playing really well until she got, like, in the worst position ever. <laughs> like, her, I guess to me that's not her fault. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think Tony is still in a really good position where he ended up and I think that is in part based on 
how he played the game before. So agreed. Obviously, some of it's luck, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts on Tony? Nope. Great guy. Hope he does well. Loved his hyena metaphor. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, just like basic things like that, he's able to make very entertaining. Yeah. He's, I think, better with words, like closer to Parvati than you might think. Yeah. Like if you're just, if you were sort of before this season and we're just remembering Kagion Tony, like you might not think he is like as, I don't know, well-spoken. But I think those signs are there too in Kagion. It's just that. He's an amazing confessionalist. Mm-hmm. On the island, he often seems more scatterbrained. Yeah, erratic. Yeah, but like when he can, when he's in the confessional, he is usually even in cog- mm-hmm. on focus. Like he is, I don't know. He's succinct. You're right. He is really good with words. He's able to bring the drama out of just basic situations, which is good. Like, and I think that's the thing is I think he runs around lots and he's loud, but. You're right. I think he is more like a poverty than you would expect. Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's a good call. That brings us to Yara. Not the greatest tribe name. I like the tweet I saw. Uh, Survivor book readers will know this tribe as Asha. That Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I did like the like weird. Um, like lore world building stuff where they have like Nick being like, I really don't want the green buff. Apparently that's a thing now, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's kind of cruel to make people build a shelter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially when they can't, when they're not Wendell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like Wendell's like, is he the only one that's ever been able to turn that around? Like, <laughs> like, Oh sweet. A cool building exercise. <laughs> hmm. I feel like every other tribe like that ended up losing hard. And then, except for whatever the one he was on, yeah, dominated all the challenges, right? They never win again. Or when, or when they give them an extra person, like mm-hmm. Ikabula in Millennials versus Gen X. Uh, they, did, they only went to tribal once, just like everyone else. <laughs> um, speaking of that season... We got Adam. Another person that they are going out of their way to make look stupid. (laughs) Yeah, like, someone said Adam is getting a Hannah Shapiro edit. I was like, wow, that's pretty apt. Because it is this mixture of sometimes looks okay, and you might think he's winning, but also is a little goofy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's like her and uh, I'll never forget like Hannah in episode two sit there for like, like they did like the time elapsed thing in the voting booth being like, who do I vote for? I can't decide. Who do I vote for? Mm-hmm. You're right. Adam. At this point, you have to say it's a theme that he can't do basic things that other people can do. Like, <laughs> like that's a theme, right? It's happened twice. It's a pattern. He couldn't mm-hmm. put the tribal thing of the torch in the hole. He couldn't put the lid on the voting urn. Yeah. It's not a thing I don't think we've ever seen someone have a trouble with. 
and I don't know, it's not specific to him, but throughout the season when he goes to vote, he's always like looking at like the weight on the papers, which like other people are doing too, but it's like this weird like curiosity. Like he does it, he looks at the shelf too in this. Mm-hmm. Like I think what he's doing is probably smart. He's looking for advantages, I think. But it's yes. always presented as sort of fumbly and like what is this like i don't know where i am like he's getting like i'm trying to think of like a very childish edit yeah that's his story is he's very childish and included in that quality of childishness is like curiosity and wonder Mm -hmm. childlike wonder um you're right like but i even then it's like i think he's doing the right thing because they made a big deal about how this is the first time that the voting booth is completely um, enclosed. Like, you can't see in it at all from the chairs. Mm-hmm. There's almost definitely at some point going to be something hidden. in it. Mm-hmm. That's a good read from Adam. Mm-hmm. It's getting shown like he's an idiot. Like, in every way. I think he was actually trying to, like, see if there's, a, like, a gimmick or something um on the urn i don't think he was actually not able to put the urn on if so i mean it sucks that show was shown on natural television but i think he couldn't get it back on i think it's a weirdly shaped urn and it only goes on one way you think so yeah (sighs) maybe maybe if so yikes but definitely in general, like you're right, like some of the stuff was him just looking around doing the right thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and he's still getting majorly lampooned for it. Um, Adam is the one to me, similar to like, I don't know, he's the number one that one that looks like a losing finalist to me. Hmm. I don't think it's close, really. Um, other than what, like, I think he's a little bit above Wendell there. Other than I have a little less hope in him making it as far. That's the thing. I think I would give it to Wendell if I had to pick a losing finalist because I don't see how Adam gets there. Yeah. Other than sort of like the people who fall into this role sort of have like an amazing ability to get that far. Like your yeah. Nora's and Angelina's and all them. But yeah, if if there's a Nora on the season or like an Angelina, it's Adam. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a hundred percent. Like he's right. always shown, I guess one thing that he's shown willing to make the risks, willing to play hard, but always bad at it. Yeah. He can't do basic things. He can't keep votes to himself. He's a liability. They reaffirmed that this episode. Mm-hmm. I, I thought villain, but like with last week, them just all making fun of him. Like, in a row like jeremy being like the guy's like a kid you can't tell him anything he's spoiled brat he's that's what you get from him is and that looks a lot more like a losing finalist it's just maybe he's taylor stalker like maybe he's the merger boot maybe he's (laughs) something else but Mm -hmm. to me adam has no chance of winning he just also doesn't have a super high chance of making it that far right other than the fact that he has been like able to somewhat rise to the occasion. Like he did eventually figure out that challenge with the keys. He did eventually like he had that confessional where he's like, my mom always said that I'm 
if I set my mind to something, I can get there. Mm-hmm. Being the end of the game, not the $2 million. That's true. I don't know. It'd be such a long road for him to get there. And mm-hmm. I think we're, we're still in a period where it's hard to slot Sele members into the players we've been focusing on for most of the season, like Sarah and Tony and Tyson and Ewell, like how they, how they will play the game and where these people from Sele will fit in. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. I feel like this is a season dominated by the call, like OG the call. Yeah. And it's really hard seeing where the other people slot in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Adam could easily leave next. I would put more money on that than Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Adam over Ben. Which ain't great for him. And again, I don't think he's going to come back. And honestly, in hindsight, like, we questioned whether these, like, how much irony was there on the Adam saying he's Denise's jungle boy. I think I can now confidently say... All the irony was meant there. Well, yeah, because he's so fumbly and yeah, not capable. Yeah, he's the opposite, right? He's a he's your little brother. I think he's a great character. Like, I think he's really, really, really funny. I look forward to him being on screen because he is like a competent person, but also has shown to be so bad. Mm-hmm. Like his weakness, he's one of those like. For people who uh, play D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, he's one of those characters with like a 20 intelligence stat and like a zero, like a zero strength, dexterity, charisma, and wisdom stat. <laughs> like he has no ability to do things, but he has good reads. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even say this episode, like it didn't read if you're sort of still in that Adam is winning from this edit vein, like this episode was bad for that even because he was shown as like this weird, like follower and sort of a piece to be moved around rather than anything on his own. I think. Yes. Especially considering I'm shocked. They didn't mention that literally if you flash back to millennials versus Gen X, one Adam Klein's on a tribe with, a duo of Figgy and Taylor and a duo of Ken and uh, Jessica. Mm-hmm. He's literally been in the same spot before. Ex- yeah. Almost note for note. Maybe one of the, is he the only person to swap in a majority twice and vote out his own side twice? Uh, By flipping to the other side, a tribe of five, like possibly probably <laughs> up there. Like it's a thing he did before. You'd think he'd reference that. Yeah. He like you know he did. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's Adam Klein. He's gonna reference he never stops talking about Millennials for Shit X, even in his confessionals. So that makes air if he wins, straight up. Yep. Which brings us to Ben. A little bit better, I think, for Ben of an episode. Yeah. Still not great. My sort of contradiction. Radar went off because at the swap, he's going like, stay blue strong, stay blue strong. And then he doesn't stay blue strong. I mean, it is against the person he's been a nemesis to the entire season so far, but that's also not great because like 
what's his story going forward from here. I know. Not a good episode for me, for Ben. Yeah, I don't know. Ben, to me, still probably is a long-term character. We did see him uh, bonding with Sarah and Sophie a little bit. Um, his story was how he wanted to get Rob off the island. He did. So that mm-hmm. checkbox is here. He does need a good episode next week. Now that that checkbox is off, so much of his early game was dominated on like mess-ups involving Rob and the little rivalry they had. Mm-hmm. If he gets something like, finally, Rob is off my back. Here I am, ready to play. I think that gives him a lot of um, vacancy to play well. And looking at the next time on Survivor, we did get Adam's confessional where he's like, ding dong, the witch is dead, and everyone's celebrating and partying. Seems like it's possible that is the story. Mm-hmm. I guess what he needs is, like, he might be in more of a relationship problem than Parvati, we thought was. Like, he killed Rob. He really only has, like, Denise and like some little like bits of Jeremy and Michelle. Well, he has Adam. Yeah, that's the thing. He he does have a relationship. In episode one, he's like he leaks the plan to Adam, right? Um, oh, that's true. Because he says he wants to work with Adam because he wants him to maneuver. He said it multiple times, right? That he really sees crucial to his game, and Adam doesn't like him, <laughs> right? Like that's the. Mm-hmm. They're the odd couple there, so they're stuck together. I feel like this tribe probably doesn't go. Oh. I think this tribe most certainly goes. <laughs> to me, I'm I'm thinking they both they both live to tell this tale. Um just because they are at such a weird edge with each other where Ben loves Adam. Ben's thrown his game away multiple times for Adam. And Adam, like when Denise told Ben about the idol or whatever, he's like, Oh my god, you included Ben. I do not <laughs> want to play this game with Ben. Meanwhile, Ben's the only reason he's still in the game. Like, that's a story, right? Yeah. But I think it's a good story to end right before the merge. Oh, with... That would be Ben leaving, though, wouldn't it? Mm, it's hard to say. Maybe. You're right. They could end this story here with just Ben being like, I've carried him long enough. Boom. Mm-hmm. Because that would be the easiest way to resolve all this is Ben just flips over. But right, yeah, that's that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the low key fan fave of the season. Um, I feel like the common take this season is, "Oh my god, I never knew Sarah was so great." My mom mm-hmm. sent me a message today saying more or less that <laughs> sentence. She was, uh, she texted me <laughs> saying. What is it? Um, I'm stalling here, but it was basically, who am I? I was I was genuinely sitting there on my couch begging that Sarah didn't get voted out. My mom hated Sarah both other seasons. <laughs> um, Sarah's been a ton of fun. Yeah, really engaging personality. Seems to be playing pretty well. I really yeah. like her. Maybe Sarah's playing the best game. Yeah, maybe, or at least that's the way it looks to us. I think they're showing all of Sarah's best themes, I think. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that makes her a pretty like good edit. I think like, I think Sarah's my number four. 
yeah, no, I've completely bought the Sarah stock. You know what I mean? Like her premiere wasn't great. That's true. Right. But it wasn't bad. It was that she just came off as such a like side character. And then it feels like most every episode after that was like Sarah is someone to watch. Sarah is a main character even. So no, Sarah has completely eclipsed background character and is a fully fledged main character. Right. The only downside for her is that Tony was positioned a little bit more like is basically Tony, right? Like, mm-hmm. but when you flash back to that latter episode, the one that to me brought her back in contention, but still behind Tony, I'm like, you've, you watch that scene again. I watched it back today. Sarah's confessional is like, that's how it's, it literally goes from, Tony with his ladder to Sarah giving a confessional about how she knew people would like Tony. If they just gave her a chance, if if they just gave him a chance, mm-hmm. she knows people, she knows how to read them and they, she knows that they'll like him. Mm-hmm. That's not as uh, like, it wasn't like Tony's like, I'm just going to bring Sarah again. And again, she's such a dummy. Ha ha ha. It wasn't right. that it was like, they're kind of positioned kind of equally. They're a team. And they're, I think they are the closest duo in the game. We've got multiple confessionals of them both talking about each other. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have that for anybody else. Um, Yule and Sophie, maybe. Yeah, I don't think they're that strong. Same. But I think the people I would maybe say were competing with Sarah and Tony would be Sarah and someone else. Like, Sarah and Tyson looks really good. I think... Yes. Uh, Sarah and Sophie is coming up. Like Sarah just gets all these like partnerships, and I agree. Like Sarah and Yule came out this episode. Like, yeah, she's very well connected. I agree, and I actually really like. I'm glad that you have her too. Mm-hmm. I think people are sleeping on Sarah for sure because, like, she doesn't really have to look this good. If she's just Tony's sidekick, like, maybe she is just, in hindsight, the editors were like, wow, she really is the key to the characters that did do well, all their success. Like, maybe your final six is Tony, Tyson, Sophie, Yule, plus two others or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she just happened to be really important to all your main characters, and she gets voted out at the merge or whatever. Doesn't really seem like that's what's happening. No. Like, that seems like a stretch and like the only universe where that happens to me, it reads like she's probably going really, really far with a lot of win equity. I know that she's a good player game changers. I think she played one of the more complicated and strong games in the entire history of survivor. Maybe she's just doing that again. Yeah. I mean, the season so far hasn't really told us she's made any mistakes. I would think. I mean, she was sort of more contradicted in the Tyson vote. But she has that bond with Tyson moving forward. Was she contradicted or is it a relationship that's waiting to confirm itself? I mean, she was close to Tyson and then voted him out. So, yeah, but it's not like we saw him being like, I don't know. I think that's the missing thing is like we didn't get her saying she wants to keep him. She just yeah. likes them. Fair. 
and it was more about her social game and whatnot, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you're right. I think she's a she's definitely one to watch. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorites too. Left, yeah, shockingly. oh, she's great. Very good character. Better than Maybe. I would have thought, even after the premiere. Like I was yeah. ready for like boring Sarah, and then she's like emerged as one of the best characters. And really, she would be maybe the sneakiest, most clever winner at it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, she definitely also holds that candle, too, where it's like, okay, Yule in your face. Sophie, definitely in your face. Tony, definitely in your face. Tyson, a little bit more sneaky, but still a pretty obnoxious, over-the-top character. Mm-hmm. Sarah has been pretty low-key, but not low-key enough that she's like, she's kind of in the background. In a way that you wouldn't expect. She does kind of unite all the big forces. In a way that I think is very interesting. I think all the factors of her. Being a little bit more. um, Of like a character. Is giving her a lot of. Like. Hiddenness. And I do think they don't want the winner this season. To be obvious necessarily. Right. So I think that alone gives her a lot of edge. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. I think almost if you think about her being attached to Yule's moment at the beginning of this episode, like that's really good because it sort of shows her in a positive light too. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of personal content from her so far, but I think stuff like that always helps. Yeah. I mean, it was vaguely reminiscent of in game changer when like at the Varner tribal, Mm -hmm. she basically gets all the personal content about, how she never knew anything about uh, being transgender and how it's opened up a whole new world to her and things that there's a lot of people like her being conservatives um, who can learn from this moment and be better people, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. In this episode, she didn't know what ALS was and got edited positively for it, right? Like it wasn't as dramatic, but it was the same effect. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I didn't know that's what it was. Do you need a hug, Yule? But it made her look like a great baller person, right? Yeah. For sure. I think she's been super fun. I'd love if she won. I think her game and Game Changers is super underrated. And I don't know. She might be actually, like, if I could if I could book the season, I would probably make Sarah the winner here with what we got. Hmm. Obviously, I would actually pick Parvati, but... <laughs> if I was using the footage we got to make the most interesting end, I think I would uh, pick Sarah. Yeah. Which, I guess, brings us to Sophie. Mm-hmm. So, you said that initially you took her off your contenders list. Yeah, I thought she had a really bad episode. I thought Kim had her entire idol and it was never acknowledged. Because I thought in her idol finding scene, she just said that she and Kim had found the idol together as opposed to her giving back the idol. Which honestly, I still don't know if it's great, but I think under the idea that we want it to look like a bad mood for Kim and sort of put away the fact that Sophie did end up giving it back in the end probably makes the most sense. So Mm -hmm. once I sort of piece that all together... It is a really good episode for Sophie, where I think she gets a lot of the credit for what went down as just as much as Sarah did. Um, 
it seems like she played it really well. And I think her talk about it not being a crack, but an opportunity is really good for her overall. Just generally, I think the shocking thing about Sophie is with this season, giving us more of a character than we probably expected. It's so surprising to come from Sophie. What a main character she is. Yeah. And I think I think that's what makes her such a top contender for a lot of people is it's this really consistent content and really good content for how she's playing. Especially when you factor in, she gave the item back to Kim. Mm -hmm. I think it only makes sense if one, you're just wanting to bury Kim's for some reason. Sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's like a losing finalist. She's the villain. She's story of how Kim's deflated. Or it's to give Sophie a move, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Sophie comes out of this pre-merge doing nothing, or pre-swap phase, effectively doing nothing. The only thing right. that really she got credit for doing was the work, like, tricking Kim into giving her the idol half, worst decision ever, didn't amount to anything at all. Like, she really hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point is it's hard to sort of paint either Amber or Tyson's vote out as her doing. So yeah, by constantly sort of giving her credit and giving her that Kim moment sort of lets her make a mark on that first phase of the game. Yeah. Like from what it seems like, it honestly seems as if Amber and Tyson were one and two from minute one Mm -hmm. of uh, to call and there's just no it was super rigid and they didn't even really think about the, when they got to the second one right then like maybe they were debating between Amber and Tyson and, mm-hmm. but then once Amber was gone it was just okay Tyson's gone yeah. that's why they had to manufacture Ty- uh, like Tony going around maybe saving him from weeks before not weeks mm-hmm. but days I guess before like it's clear that tribe was just a dud in terms of strategy <laughs> Yeah. So that's an interesting question is then you're like, okay, well now we have Sophie. We have to give her something. They give her the Kim thing and it's, it's, it's manufactured. We we were told this girl's the devil when she like politely gave the idol back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, Sophie is really, really close to Tony and Tyson. It's kind of a three-way race for me. They're at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. And I don't know, like, it really is. A, it's tricky to know which one to pick. That's the thing. Like, they all have their ups and downs. My problem, my one problem with Sophie, a little bit emerged here, where, like, for example, Tyson said that he couldn't even remember her name because she's playing so under the radar. Her edit doesn't match her game at all. This one was all about how much in danger she is and how the old her would laugh at her doing what it does seem like Rob was probably just dead, right? Like that whole time was just a charade mm-hmm. and he was probably just gone the whole time. Um, I get it. You're trying to amp up the entertainment value of the episode, like the stakes, but 
I don't know. I feel like they maybe went a little too far with Sophie's self-deprecation here. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's a point to it where even if the plan was robbed from the very, very get-go, like, it's still the best she can do is to say, oh, Adam and Ben are going to vote Rob with us. And that's all I can do. Got to put my trust in that. So, and I, I think that's fine. I also think you deserve like a, a like a participation trophy or something, because um, you're a millennial, obviously. But um, <laughs> for calling and like pointing out very clearly, Yule's confessional in multiple times he's talking where he says, "Me, Nick, and Wendell in Sophie." Um, mm-hmm. Like that one, like where like Sophie's clearly the and. Yeah. Now that we know that Sophie swaps away from them, that's really dang good for Sophie making the merge. Mm-hmm. Probably the whole group. But like, I don't know, to me, Sophie, like that's really good. That means they put a lot of attention both in the Kim moment and Yule's content to make sure that he's masking how close he is with Sophie. Like, there's a lot here to overhype Sophie. I think mm-hmm. Sophie's probably playing a little worse than what we're shown. Hmm. Maybe not playing worse, but she's not as impactful as they're showing up. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. And like I said last episode, I think Tyson's moment where he can't remember her name is not that bad. Like, If anything, it's good, yeah. Yeah, you still knew he was talking about Sophie by the end. and it sort of exemplified that she is playing to the strategy she, she said she would be playing to. So Yeah, it's just like Tommy saying he's hiding behind Laura. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, that's probably what's happening on the island. Why, why is Tommy our only person we hear from? <laughs> yeah. Sophie's kind of the same way. Only Yule is a visible character is the difference there. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it is kind of weird. Like, we don't, I guess her, her number one is Tone, or is um Yule. Yule's number one theoretically is her. Sarah has a connection with her. Like she does have like a kind of a web. Mm-hmm. So she also probably is responsible for burying Kim, right? I think that's probably a good prediction. She probably takes out Kim. Eh. Hmm. Or they were just really clumsy with that. Like, I'm the devil. <laughs> I think they just wanted to show, like... I don't know, that is tricky, what they're doing with that. Because there's almost... Why don't... Was there a moment where she told people that Kim had this piece? Like, seems we don't like, know no. what she was doing with Kim. It seems like she was almost, like, trying to add Kim as a number. Mm-hmm. But it was framed as this she's the devil and Kim can't trust her. I'm know. thinking what happens is Sophie probably was loyal to Kim. They swapped away from each other. They merged back up and Sophie tells everybody about Kim's idol. Hmm. And that's a, that's the worst thing you could have ever done. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Sophie's definitely going far. Mm hmm. I do think she's a little less longevity than like the other main characters, but like not high. Like, I mean, she's still very likely going far. 
She just also could be the merge boot or something like that compared to the others. I think she has good longevity. Like, she doesn't feel like a merge boot or anything. She feels like she's going very far. I just think that there's a chance she's the Jack to Yule's Tommy. Hmm. Where, like, you want it to be the one behind, but really it's a much simpler story how Yule does well or whatever. Like, just mm-hmm. as much as Yule's really bad, like, Yule, Sophie existing is really bad for Yule. I do think the more Yule gets developed is worse for Sophie. Because I think now it's beyond, like, she can't be the Natalie Anderson. She's completely eclipsed that genre of storytelling. Yeah. Um, so she needs something, right? Like, she's really exposed in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. And I do think that you will continuing to build in favor, which I think is going to happen is bad for her because it makes her look less credible. Hmm. I think there's still a lot of room for you to build and still have Sophie in high regard. Maybe. Cause I maybe. think as much as we can see that you is the main character, I think there's still a lot of space left to go for that to actually develop. True. It's not been, like, share of the episode-wise, not been very visible. Like, he's a main character, but I think he still could take up a lot more time. Yeah, he hasn't been a screen hog. Mm -hmm. So I think... I think that's good for... That's okay for Sophie. Probably right. As long as it's really a more of a matter that she keeps up her level of content too. Yeah, because she can't fall like she's not Natalie Anderson. She can't back. She's a main character. Mm-hmm. She has to continue to be that way. Right. So I agree. Th- to me, like that's the thing is all the small things. Honestly, my top three is so close, and all these small things. It's like well. It it's like one percentage point, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. differential, which is brutal. But yeah, that's Sophie. So we'll move finally. Rest in peace, Boston Rob. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad he played. Uh, did he look like a goofball in this episode? Absolutely. Do I think there's anything he could have done? Probably not. See, I don't even think he looked that bad. Like I think no? this was another good move on the list of like delivering one good movie episode like i said i think it was the best thing he could have done it just didn't work out because it was so set in stone yeah i mean he really got like if you're gonna talk about swap screw i mean is there any world other than them winning rob doesn't get voted out on this tribe like no right yeah doesn't seem like it like even if he like if he votes out sophie uh, like Sarah still has the vote seal takes him out. Uh, if he votes at Sarah, Sophie has the idol, idols him out. Like and like, they didn't just get one person to flip; both of them flipped on him. So yeah, <laughs> like he literally—it's like you swap with the two people. You had a like Rob had a good relationship with pretty much everybody else on his tribe, mm-hmm. except these two, and then the minority has two powerful advantages that they can use to take you. Yeah. And this might be really one of like, despite swapping the majority really is just a garbage swap. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Rob was really entertaining. I thought he was a good, fun character. Showed why he is a force in the game. Mm-hmm. He for probably sure. could come back. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but we'll wait for next episode. It feels that would be a weird sort of trajectory for him. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Amber and Rob resolve or what happens. Because it feels like one, if not both of them, should sort of fade out of the picture at this point. Mm. So, yeah, I'm glad to get a, I hope, a little bit of closure to that. But we shall see. It could be fun. Like, I mean, you have Tyson, Boston, Rob, and Amber there. Like, Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Rob really showed that he can, like, kind of still hang. Um, mm-hmm. Weirdly, I'd be okay with Rob 6.0. Maybe not now, but like a couple years. I think I really enjoyed watching him play. Like he has good moves, but I'd still, as a character, he's not like not for me. <laughs> like I think I I think I agree. Actually, like <laughs> this is probably the least fun Rob too. Like yeah, he does seem. I don't know. This is mean, but like just kind of old and <laughs> like. <laughs> Joe hates old people, confirmed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I see what you mean. Like he's a little, like a uh, little, like slower. Yeah, he, just he's like, like Wendell. Tired. Yeah, he's a little bit of a curmudgeon this season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably is not winning. Mm-hmm. Might be instrumental in Tyson winning. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I just don't. Not like a weirdly good edit, but like it doesn't. I didn't think Edge of Extinction would be part of his winner's edit. I don't think. Yeah, if anything, he kind of needs. He just dominated from minute to start again somehow. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like. Have him sort of in the middle, like. As has a good edit, but like. I don't see how it fits in with where he is now. I I think I agree. And I think mm. you're right that if anything likely to win again. Yeah. Cool. So that's the Yara tribe. Who's leaving next, Joe? It's got to be two people. So I think Sally is safe and we're going to lose uh, Sandra and Adam. I think Wendell and Adam are going to go. I just... Mm. Wendell and Sandra, actually. How does Wendell go? I just can't. Maybe they get an idol. Mm. Rob finds something, be... sells it to Parvati. That'd be pretty cool. It'd kind of be annoying, even though I love them, but... <laughs> like, I'll take it. I'm a hypocrite. Get over it. Um, That makes sense to me. And then, mm. they, I think they never go again. I guess they would merge then, right? It'll be 12. Yeah, presumably they're merging at 12. So that would make sense. So then my list is number one, Tyson, number two, Tony, number three, Sophie, number four, Sarah, number five, Yule. Uh, I go Tyson, Sophie, Tony, also Sarah, and then Amber. Still, Still clinging on to my list. 
I mean, pretty much the same people except Sarah, right? Yeah, Sarah replaced Michelle. I think that's probably a good read. Mm-hmm. So wait, do you have all? You have all OG to call. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I would be the same way there too. So that's our show. You can email us uh, us email us at thewinneredit at gmail dot com. No s. Uh, new episodes on the weekend at some point. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One of those. Uh, we post on our Survivor, our Edgic. Um, most of you are seemingly subscribed or just religiously click the link or look it up or something. Um, I was looking at the user data, so that's super cool. If for some reason you're one, somebody messaged me on Twitter the other day and was like, "Hey, uh, I can't find the link to the show. Uh, just search it on any podcatcher, uh, Pocket Cast, Spotify, anything like that. We're on there. Um, mm-hmm. Just search there." If you uh, are looking for us. Um, or you can l- search it on SoundCloud. That works too, but it's less user intuitive in my opinion. <laughs> you can follow me at Danny Kills Bees on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I'm really boring on Instagram. Don't follow me on Instagram. Follow Joe at uh, Twitter, jchapman9000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, posting <laughs> the good tweets. Oh, and yep. yeah. Yeah, we'll see you next episode. The only thing I want to touch on before we go, that next time on, like, I, I hope it does not stick, this weird trend of the over-stylized next time on. Yeah, like, I don't know. It was it's weird. like a music video. And also, like, I just don't get what Yara's celebrating. Like, It's kind of like, rude. <laughs> like, one of you still might have to go, so, like... You're all in a pretty bad spot. Like, come on. Like, a two Maybe they won two. the challenge, Joe. Maybe it was after the challenge. That would be pretty good. Um, it was also weird that they were, like, naked. Like, yeah, they were, like, <laughs> not naked, but also, like, swinging their clothes as though they were in some sort yeah. of... Yeah. Uh, it's like a speech. bad American Pie movie. I don't know. Which, what an odd group of four people to... Right? <laughs> like, what is like happening? Like a police officer, like, I don't know, a former Marine, a doctor. <laughs> like, it's a weird, it's a bunch of professionals. Weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's our show. Have an awesome day. Farewell. Bye.